everybody out there in comic book land. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast brought to you by Comic Book Click, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. How's it going, guys? It's Jonathan here, a.k.a. Yogi. Yogi is here in studio, and all the excitement is a fluttering. You know, April is around the corner, Yogi, and there are two humongous events happening in April. We have Avengers Endgame, the culmination of 10 years of films. I No one can wait to figure out where these characters end up. And a little bit closer to home here in the uh, great Big Apple, we have WrestleMania. Yes, we're doing a wrestling episode. Yes. yes, WrestleMania. And so with WrestleMania and Avengers Endgame around the corner, these are two things that I think almost every member of the, of uh, Comic Book Click and Major Issues are very big fans of. I thought it would be really cool to sit down and try to figure out why there are so many professional wrestling and comic book fans what are some of the similarities and the differences and stuff uh with these two mediums and why they're a lot more similar than you guys think but i guess uh the first question i would like to ask you yogi is which were you a fan of first comic books or professional wrestling you know it's it's um it's a little strange because okay so when it when it comes to comic books in particular as a, as a child you know i used to read um we had these collections. I guess now we know them as trade paperbacks, right? right? But when I was a kid, I didn't know what they were called. It was just a book, and they were collected editions of Garfield. Oh, wow. and I, I used to <laughs> right. love, I used to love, love, love Garfield. And then they, um, I used to read uh, Dragon Ball manga. Wow. So, but 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 at the same time, I wasn't exactly a comic book fan. You know, I wasn't a, I wasn't seeking out comic books. These were just things that I read, but. Um, so those were uh, first, but like I said, it wasn't like I, like now. You know, I did I didn't actually become a fan of uh, of comic books and the medium as a whole until I was an adult. Oh, wow. When when it comes to wrestling, though, uh, I started watching when I was seven. Just turned on so, the channel one day. No, I uh, my cousin was having a sleepover, and he was already a wrestling fan. So for his sleepover, this was the week after WrestleMania 14. Oh, so uh, for his sleepover, we watched the recorded videotape of the pay-per-view. And um, see, uh, I remember the, uh, mostly Austin versus Michaels. And after the, the show was over, we were all like wrestling and, and doing <laughs> elbows. Yeah, you know? Right. I was uh, completely taken. That was it. I was completely, completely taken in by professional wrestling. I was just a fan for uh, the rest of my life. Yeah. I would say, um, I, I probably, I, I didn't get into comics, I would say, probably until like I was an adult like you, like you, but I knew of those characters, man. You couldn't hide in the 90s from Spider-Man, Batman, um, the Justice League, any of that stuff, especially with the cartoons, the toys, like a Spider-Man fan, a Batman fan. And stuff like that. Uh, funny enough, the first comic book movie I think I've ever seen was uh, Batman Returns, which is not a lot of people's favorite Batman. <laughs> yeah, film, yeah but, but you know, as a kid, you, that's exactly who it was made for. So right, so I, I like that was my thing. I was like, wow, this world is dark and gritty, and I, you know, I dig it. Um, I, full disclosure, I have no brothers. 
right? So I, I have an older sister and two younger sisters. My older sister was dating a guy who was into professional wrestling. And so she got into professional wrestling. And on occasion when I wanted to be the little brat brother, I would go downstairs and, you know, bother them. And I remember I saw Chris Jericho with the ponytail on top of his head. And I was like, what, what, what are y'all watching? Like, what, what is this? <laughs> like, like it just, this man pouting with this, with this effeminate ponytail on top of his head and his glittery jacket. Like, what is it? So I got in probably the fall of 99. My first, um, I, I, I like to say this cause this marks my fandom. My first, uh, pay-per-view slash, um, turn is the McMahon Helmsley era. When that happens, that's my first. Oh, like, <laughs> like well, that would be sides uh, here. That's, well, that was uh, Armageddon two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and or ninety nine Armageddon ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, two thousand was the hell in itself. Yeah, sorry, because my first, um, my first mania is sixteen, and I was like, this show is going on forever. And I was like, this is the longest. <laughs> I was like, this. and uh, WrestleMania two thousand was the one where. Um, there was not a single singles match on that card. So there was just these long tags and fatal four ways and triple threats and all there's a McMahon in every corner. But um, my viewing experience was a little bit different because I had no Austin when I started watching. Oh, okay. You yes. were you you had the rock. Right. I had rock. That, so I, I'm very skewed when it comes to that um, sort of thing there. Uh, Austin, I get, I get everything. Everything is exciting. You can rewatch all that stuff and still love it. But Rock had like a different, that Rock and Triple H feud was, was like the highlight of that year. So that's what I remember of my early fandom and stuff. Um, do you remember when you wanted to, or when you started to take it a little, a little bit more seriously when you probably started looking a little bit more behind that curtain? Okay. So, um, in the, in the year 2001, it would have been, uh, three years after I started watching. Okay. I was, I was still, I was still like, uh, I was still a little kid. So I still kind of believed in it, right? And, um, they did the invasion angle. Oh, <laughs> so as a little kid, I'm like, I'm not watching this. This is WCW. I, I don't want to watch this. And, <laughs> and I stopped watching for three wow. years. <laughs> for wow. two years, actually. For two years, no, two and, and a half years. And you didn't have one good friend to be like, no, bro, you completely got that wrong. It's, 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 no, it's something go up. No, like, I didn't, well, you know, I didn't know any adults that watched this, yeah, you know? So I didn't get everybody else. And, and then in school, uh, this was after, like, the DX thing kind of died down, all the suckets in class and everything. So it was like, it wasn't, I didn't have anybody to be like, no, nah, bro, you got to keep watching this until... I hit the uh, seventh grade, I want to say, and then someone brought in a SmackDown magazine class, uh-huh. and I was like, I was like, oh man, this looks good, and I got back into it. So I was a little bit older when I got back into it. This was late 2003. Evolution was on a tear. I was right. John coming Cena's in. coming in. I yeah. was a massive, massive, massive John Cena fan back then. I was like, oh, this guy is just like me. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty big, you know. He, a lot of people. I mean. Obviously, there were definitely diehards that jumped in, uh, you know, uh, right when John got in. But that it, it gets harder and harder as the years continue to be a John Cena fan. <laughs> as you, because well, the gimmick changed, and then and then I kept watching him beat guys that I had. I was a fan of. <laughs> like, wait a minute! I remember watching Shawn Michaels in that match, and now he just beat Shawn Michaels. <laughs> like, oh, he beat Carlito. He beat Chris. I love all these guys. What the heck? So, yeah. um, 
But um, I, I'm since I got into it again while I was older, uh, we had the internet, and I would get online to find results. But you would also see stories. Oh, this is happening backstage. This person's leaving, and I'm like, whoa, what is this? So it was just kind of like uh, uh, due to the fact that I got back into it as a teenager, a little bit older, with access to the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of it just kind of happened. There was no like specific. Let me let me find out what's happening behind the scenes it just kind of i just kind of stumbled across it and discovered that whoa this is very interesting this is a new way for me to watch and enjoy this uh this type of wrestling you know i don't know that i would still be a fan of professional wrestling if i hadn't begun to enjoy it in that way yeah yeah. (laughs) it's a a different level of enjoyment i would definitely say and um it's funny when you talk about that invasion angle i had went to summer camp that summer right and my sister was still watching wrestling and it became our little thing. Like we used to watch the Royal Rumble and we used to write out, like literally write the entry of the person that came out and who oh eliminated God, them. Yeah, man. Mostly so we could be like, wait, who's still in? Wait, who's, who got the most eliminations? Wait, didn't this person say he was going to be in the Rumble? He hasn't showed up yet. So we did, we did all that, you know. Um, and so I go to summer camp. And I, uh, the, it's like visiting day. So everybody shows up, mom, how you doing? You know, dad's like, you know, you're making us proud. So then I was like, uh, sis, what is going on? She's like, WCW showed up and ECW showed up and they're trying to take down the WWF. And I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> what? Like, and I had heard this, these hollowed names before, but that whole idea of like, wait, other companies are coming into this company to end it. Like, like literally wrestlers that I, at the point, never heard of. I never heard of a Chuck Palumbo or anything like that. So I was like, yeah. what, what are these guys doing? Mike Awesome, what are these guys doing, uh, you know, on this side? And it definitely um, made things change. I would say around 2004, I start to get hip to things. I think that that's also when we all started getting a little bit more comfortable with the internet. Yeah. Um, and I remember distinctively here, my first ever, uh, what we will call, um, a piece of dirt sheet news uh-huh. was that they fired, um, uh, Chavo senior Chavo classic. <laughs> that was oh, my first, oh, that was my I, I first post post WrestleMania <laughs> 20. I remember somebody saying, Oh, they fired Chavo classic. And I was like, what do you mean? They fired Chavo classic. And they're like, yeah, right here on this website. It tells me what website is that? And it was all over <laughs> past that past that point. It was all. Do you, all over. Do you remember what website it was? Like I still remember my first dirt sheet website. <sighs> it, it was uh, it was a uh, uh, backstage wrestlingnews.com. Man. It's probably dead now. And it was like a shit, uh, a really really crappy dirt sheet site. <laughs> you know, like Mine by today, PW by my standards something. today, where I know where all the the good news comes from, and I know who to pay attention to. Right. But my standards back then, that was one of those sites that was full of like pop ups and stuff. Yeah. But do you do you remember what your first website was? Oh man, and I, I it's PW something. I know it was blue. And another thing I remember <laughs> is that um there was a like an editorial, like somebody would write. Um, you know, they would do these these pay per view breakdowns where they would like they um exp- explain what happened in the match and then talk about what the finish was and then talk about in an editorial form how they felt about the match and the finish and everything. And it was the first time I ever seen somebody break it down to like, well, you know, this should have had more momentum than it did, and you know, this person seemed to be working, you know, slow. Like it was the first time I had heard like in depth an- analysis to that point, and I was hooked, and um. It just got worse for guys like Cena, who you know, <laughs> years years prior, no internet, 
what WWE told us was was the truth. That was, you know, there was no other source to find out if anything else was on the up and up. But as we get older, it gets harder um, to hide behind that curtain that everyone's pulling back. Um, do you remember when you, you when you got into things that weren't WWE when you're when the internet allowed you oh, to see yes, what the outside absolutely. of? Ironically, it wasn't the internet that introduced me to wrestling outside of WWE. It was um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. Ah. Uh, so they were Pro Wrestling Illustrated was um, something I discovered in a newsstand on my block in the Bronx. And um, I used to I used to subscribe to WWE magazine. They had Raw magazine. They had SmackDown magazine back in the day. <laughs> and um, you remember their little bootleg, the uh, their little bootleg dirt sheet they used to have in the back. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but um, um, all the, it was all like kayfabe interviews and stuff. And um, but then I discovered Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I think uh, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I know that. I got an issue of PWI. I opened it up and I'm reading all the uh, interviews. These I don't even. I still to this day don't know if those were like legit interviews or something <laughs> like <laughs> or something they came up with. But um, they did a breakdown of Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness's uh, matches that in Ring of Honor. Right. Uh, and they put it over so much, and I was like, "What on earth is this? This looks right. like." Wild! This looks amazing. So um, I used the internet uh, and I uh, I started looking things up, and eventually I discovered a place where I could pirate, <laughs> where I could pirate uh, Ring of Honor. So I'm I got everything I could possibly. Get. It was Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor was like my first uh, experience, like, 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 yeah, that, that passion stuff. Because I I think um, passion. I think passion is what separates uh, most diehards from casuals. I think casuals will tune into a brand that they recognize um but i think passion makes you seek brands that yes that go further go go you know um it, make, it makes you want to dive deeper into those uh pools and stuff and you're not lying about the, that pwi i don't remember how i would get my hands on that it's probably the same thing newsstands and stuff i never bought them though i always skim <laughs> through them and i'll never forget three names i saw in almost every freaking issue of the, the pwi it was Brian Danielson, the American Dragon. It was Samoa Joe, and it was yep. CM Punk. And these three people, I didn't, under, I didn't know who they were, and I don't understand why they're being grouped in with the same people that I know. You know, like what are you talking about? Like this is Chris Jericho, and this is Triple H, and this is The Undertaker. Who's this CM Punk guy? Who is this Samoa Joe guy? And why is he on the same list as these yeah. other people? You understand? Like what? You know? And and, and so. I would keep tabs on people just through that, just through those match ratings and stuff like that. I knew that outer workings were happening, but I'll never forget. I was randomly just on um, Spike TV one day when I saw the first episode of TNA Impact. And uh, when that happened, I was all confused, brother. Uh, Jeff Jarrett? What? The Dudleys? Kevin Nash? What's going on here? Like, is this like the home of the Misfit Toys? Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> to know, me... Uh, to me, back then, like I had a different. When I first discovered Impact, it felt like it. It was like this is like a very base view, but this was like my first impression of it. Yeah. It felt like the continuation of WCW, or, or 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 what WWE was telling me that WCW was, because you know WWE loves their uh, revisionist history. Yeah, he's, <laughs> the winner. The winner writes the book, bro. Yeah, you know how that goes. 
Yes. So it, that's how it felt to I me. Mean, I was like, what? And then you, exactly like you said, you know, w, Jeff Jarrett, Kevin Nash, uh, freaking uh, <laughs> the, the the commentary even sounded like WCW. Everything yeah, felt Don like. West and, uh... I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, this is it. <laughs> and, then, and then, um, TNA just, you know, um, watching that episode of Impact. They were very smart because um, I'll never forget the episode ended with the Dudley Boys joining Impact, which was a big deal. If you had just watched this on a whim, you would recognize the Dudley Boys. Whether or not you continue to watch WWE or whether you followed their career in um, ECW, you knew who those guys were. And Kevin Nash, I think, was also in that ending. So, it, it, you know, it brought you there. But that's not the reason I tuned in the next week. The reason why I tuned in the next week was because there were two enhancement matches that took place. One was with the guy I had kept hearing about, Samoa Joe, and he just murdered a cruiserweight. <laughs> and I had never seen, I had never seen such viciousness, and I had never seen the idea that like, oh, I could if I can move like them, I deserve to be in their division. Like that was the first time I ever heard that. I was like, wait a minute, like is that legit? Like we we're really doing this? Like he's like got a hundred pounds on everybody here. Like we're still <laughs> we're still gonna do that. And he was killing it. And the other um. The other enhancement match that I saw that I'll never forget was my boy AJ Styles. And that started a love affair that I have to this day. He's one of my favorites of all time. And I just remember thinking like, like it was literally like a, a glass ceiling broke. Like I thought I knew everything I needed to know about professional wrestling. And I thought I knew everything about like what movesets and what, what people do out there. What constitutes a good match? What constitutes a good character? All those things. Because TNA had to find their footing for a while. Even when I liked that episode of Impact, I wasn't necessarily sold like, oh, this thing is going to be the next best thing. But it did slowly start to gain that momentum. And it started to um, show us a lot of superstars just the same way that ECW introduced a lot of international superstars to the people in the 90s, I feel like TNA and Ring of Honor did that same thing um, to people in the early 2000s. So what? Uh, tell me a little bit about your international fandom uh, when it comes to professional wrestling. Well, um, um, the way that goes is WWE put out a Chris Benoit, uh, it was like a documentary, I think it was called The Hard Knocks. Yes. And mm-hmm. on the extras, they had matches. And some of the matches, I don't know, like I, to this day, I don't think I ever looked it up, but some of the matches were New Japan matches that Benoit had as Wild Pegasus. Oh, did they have any of his and- cup stuff? Um, it might've, it might've been, it, it's probably, it's really impossible to get the, to buy the DVD now. Like, I don't know where it is (laughs) for all the obvious reasons, Yep. but, um, uh, it might've been, it it, it might've been the, uh, it might've been the, um, best of the super junior stuff. Okay. But, uh, it was, it was, uh, wow. I think it was Benoit and Jushin Liger. And I was ah, like, "You're like, who's this guy? Look at, his, <laughs> look at that mask." <laughs> I was like, "What is it?" But they were the style of wrestling was so different from what I've been used to see because at the time, um, at the time when I was discovering this Japanese stuff, like I still didn't have access to it. But this was my first experience with this style of wrestling. It was so hard, you know. It yeah. was like so stiff, and um, it was like legit it looked like a struggle and at this point in time wwe was still kind of their matches were kind of cookie cutter yeah. uh every uh 
you know, it was like I it wasn't it it was something I was used to, so I didn't really think of it that way. But seeing that other type of wrestling and then coming back to like regular stuff, I was like, Wow, yeah, there's a big night difference day, here. Yeah, night and day. Night and day. So um I wanna say it wasn't until uh the resurgence of New Japan Pro Wrestling because they had gone through so they had gone through some dark ages. Like when I was discovering Japanese wrestling on a Chris Benoit DVD, uh, actual current day New Japan in like '05 was uh, in a downturn. Right. So I didn't um, I didn't really have access to it. I didn't know how to watch it, and if I did, I don't know that I would have enjoyed it back then. Right. It wasn't exactly. Yeah, it wasn't exactly what I was watching on the Benoit DVD. <laughs> so um, it wasn't. It was uh. I want to say late 2012, early uh, early 2013. I found uh, it was Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, what number was it? The uh, it was a uh, I forgot what number it was, but uh, it was like Wrestle Kingdom seven. Uh-huh. And uh, the Bucks opened up. I already knew who the Bucks were by then. I was like had my fill of indie wrestling by 2013, 2012. I was like, whoa, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's another thing too. Like the Bucks. I had I have been familiar with Generation Me, in you know yes. in in, in uh, Impact, yes. <laughs> you know. So it's like you start to see people, and you're like, wait a minute, I remember you, and they they eases you in a lot more. I would say that indie watching indie wrestling from America is the reason that I even was interested in checking out Japanese wrestling. It wasn't like they did like it wasn't like. 2014, you know, after AJ Styles went to New Japan, that's when it really started getting heat in America. And then yeah. they did the tour with Ring of Honor, and everyone knew what everyone knew what New Japan was. But back, but uh, just one year before, one one and a half year before that, it was like something that I just kind of stumbled upon. Like, well, well, let me see what these guys are doing in Japan. And watching for them, I ended up seeing uh, Okada versus Naito, oh, and wow. uh, they they did this thing where the fans got to vote. For which match would be the main event, and it was the Intercontinental Title uh, match between Nakamura and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Hiroshi Tanahashi, or uh, the heavyweight title match between uh, Kazuchika Okada and Tetsuya Naito. Yeah. And uh, the fans voted for the Intercontinental Title match to be the main event because mm-hmm. Nakamura and Tanahashi were the bigger names than Okada and Naito at the time. Yep. And I remember. See, this is my first time watching, and I remember seeing uh, Okada and Tanahashi had, went into that match with a freaking chip on their shoulder because they got their main event taken away from them. Yeah. And they absolutely killed it. Just killed it. And this was like my first time seeing these guys. And I was yeah. just like, wow, like this is amazing. What the heck? This is this is wild. I can't believe I've never watched this before. So uh, I went backwards a year's worth of shows, and I started watching from Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I want to say six, okay. where uh, Tanahashi defended against uh, Suzuki, and I watched a year's worth, and I just kind of caught up to New Japan. And ever since then, I've been like paying attention very closely, and it's something that I. <laughs> No, you weren't lying about that. That uh, you know, that explosion in two thousand and thirteen. Because I, I was aware of Japanese wrestling mostly because of Brock Lesnar. I was very curious as to why that man was over there <laughs> and what he was up there doing. Like I, I knew, I read enough wrestling autobiographies to know that um, NJPW was a very prestigious promotion, and their title was not one that was just thrown around, especially not given to foreigners willy nilly. Um, and so. When Brock won it, I was like, wait a minute. And then Angle won it. And I was like, oh, there's something happening over there. Like, something's happening over there in Japan. But it was definitely when AJ uh, got there 
that I started paying attention more closely. And um, you, some could even say they probably weren't even really looking for our fandom here. You know, like they weren't going out of our way, out of their way to ingratiate American fans. They just had a good product and we ended up getting the bridge over there, you know. But it wasn't like the NJPW um, was struggling and they didn't know how to reach American fans. I think that eventually all it took was time and they would get their attention sent over there in that direction. I think that they weren't at the the time before, uh, before they brought in AJ Styles, I don't think that they were uh, trying to reach an American audience yet, but there was like a contingent of fans in America on the internet. I, I won't name them by name, but I do know who they are. Um, that would pirate the shows and put them on daily motion and stuff because we had no other way to watch it. You know, yeah, it's I not like daily motion, man. First of all, YouTube used to be the wild west. Remember that? Oh, YouTube. Wild west. YouTube was like a whole nother experience because at first you never knew what you were going to find. Even though, even if you typed in, even if you typed in the name that you were looking for, sometimes you would find like com- something completely different on purpose because somebody wanted yep. views or whatever. The first Rick rolls of the generation. <laughs> yeah. But it was that it was that daily motion that the real hero guys for that would take the shows and put them on daily motion and New Japan saw the numbers on daily motion and they're like, Well, maybe we have uh we have an audience out there that we should try to reach. And then they made the partnership with ROH and then, you know, it blew up. It really oh, blew up. It really blew up. So um it was like really organic. It's like that that that's really interesting how that happened, that international uh spread over here i know they're on a bit of a downturn because they uh lost their biggest american stars or not not just american but their biggest uh western stars so i know a lot of people are like not looking too kindly on it but they're on a rebuild yeah that's so, a, it's a, a, every good company has to be able to um you know uh go with the ups and downs like you're never always gonna be you're never gonna be riding on top forever and same way with uh you know when things are not looking uh too great and it's funny because I, I, I could imagine how that match and other matches, especially in Ring of Honor, you know, blew your mind and blew open the idea uh, idea and blew open the doors of what a good match could be. I remember my reaction when I saw the um, the Unbreakable Triple Threat with, oh, uh, man. with, AJ, <laughs> with AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe. I watched that thing at a library like every day <laughs> like whenever i could go to some place <laughs> with internet i would just watch this match and to people who weren't even wrestling fans i would say you need to watch this it doesn't even make sense like you st- like the things that joe is doing in there that monkey flip to the hurricanrana spot i had never seen before and when they did it in that match i i was just you know jaw dropped give these guys everything why am i why am i giving my money and my attention to another company when these guys are killing it right now and, it's still uh, considered one of the greatest matches of all time. I'm surprised WWE hasn't uh, done like I, I know they they actually did have Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, and Daniel Bryan scheduled for Fastlane at one point, but then the the Kofi Kingston thing happened. Uh, that would so, be, that'd actually be a nice table for three too. I would like to see those three guys chop it up. Oh right, I can't believe on. they haven't done that. I, did they cancel that show? <laughs> Probably. Now it's like in a car with two or something like that. I forget what they what they call them things now. Just, Stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it, 
wrestling right now is alive and well with the with the creation of all elite wrestling the, the newest promotion the newest spanking new promotion um being funded by tony khan of the jacksonville jaguars uh, multi-billionaire richer money, than vince money, McMahon. Money. it's crazy and that's what you need to play this game man you need money and you need a way to get your product out there we've seen um all kinds of businesses uh fold and uh be born and a again. passion you need yeah. a passion for this. You know, the, one of the problems with TNA, well, they had a back, they had a big money backer. They had uh, Dixie Carter's father, you know, Panda yeah. Energy and anything. But uh, I don't think Dixie had the passion that was necessary. She just kind of knew the guys that she knew from the 90s. And then, you know, like when yeah. they came, they took advantage of her, unfortunately. And then. Yeah, it's like they're, they're, you know, they're killing it in the matches like we were just talking about, that Unbreakable Triple Threat. And then you um, move forward and Dixie's like, but you know what we could really use? Hulk Hogan. It's like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's get rid of the six-sided ring that has identified us since our inception. And let's get a normal four-sided ring because it makes Hulk Hogan comfortable. Matter of fact, yeah, and- <laughs> I know what to do with those Monday Night Wars. We'll bring in the nasty boys. That was a big mistake. And I was putting like, what? On Mondays. What? That was no, like, I'll never forget. Sh- I'll Thanks. never forget. They decide to go to war with Monday Night Raw after the Monday Night Wars. We'll talk. We'll talk about that in a second. So what does Vince McMahon do? Vince McMahon pulls Bret Hart out of mothballs <laughs> and gets Shawn Michaels to apologize to Bret Hart after what fifteen years or something like that of drama and 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 just heartache and conspiracy and anger. We never thought we would see that ever again. So Vince McMahon just pulls that out on a whim the first night that they compete with one another. It's like, oh, by the way, Bret Hart's coming back and he hasn't been around since 1997. And I was just like, that's not fair. It's like, like that just showed <laughs> the, the strength there. Right now, bullet to the head, uh, gun to the head, bullet's not going to do anything. Um, <laughs> what would you say you are more of a fan of if you had to... Uh, Pick one. You you mean like uh, a promotion or just like out of those two? Uh, professional wrestling or comic just books? it? Oh oh oh, uh, <sighs> that's a hard question. It's like I hold them both in such high regards. Like um, I mean I've been I've been I guess I've had more experience with wrestling, and it's kind of like wrestling is integrated into my everyday life. But um, it's like uh, and then the comic books are too. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. not, it's not. I guess if I had to choose, I would say wrestling, but it's not like there's a, a an obvious answer. It could be either one. I guess because there's a gun to my head and I don't want to die, yeah, I'll yeah, say yeah. wrestling. <laughs> I'll good, say wrestling. It's a good choice. You live to see another day. <laughs> uh, I feel like um, in a lot of ways, my knowledge and stuff of of wrestling is is probably more, and I I grew up. Uh, you know, just trying to find out the most I could with it and stuff. But I think that I, I right now my comic stuff is edging it out only because of um. I think there's just so much out there where I feel like the stories right now are only being told in certain camps. Um, and so, but I I love both, and I thought that I I thought that just writing down a couple of similarities and stuff between the two mediums would be interesting. These things have way more in common than I freaking gave it credit for. And I was like, this has to be why it's such an easy transition for most fans. And most fans that are fans of comic books are fans of pro wrestling and vice versa. Not to say that all is all, 
But yeah, but there's a big, is, there's yeah. a big, very big overlap. Even the wrestlers, you know, like Christopher Daniels is a huge comic book fan. His in-ring gear always has like logos and stuff. Like even if you don't see it, like I know a lot of wrestlers, they do the uh, the complete cosplay thing. You yeah, know, some guys will come out completely cosplayed. Uh, but you know, a guy like Daniels, you can just tell because he integrates those logos into his actual stuff. Yeah, even, he, has, and he, he has X-Men <laughs> stuff on his gear for a yeah, very, you know? very long time. Yeah, exactly. He's got like the Phoenix logo, and if you don't really know, you don't know. Yeah. You're just like Christopher Daniels, but like I, I love that. But it, uh, there's a cross, there's an overlap in the fandom too, and I think that comes from maybe the maybe it comes from the 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 fact that both of these things are like long term, never ending serialized stories That's that true, uh, yeah. people can always come back to. You know, even if you take a break, you can always come back to comic books. You know, you can always come back to pro wrestling. It's always going to be there for you. <laughs> when life is dead, when life has you down and then people are leaving your life or whatever the case may be, wrestling and comics are always there just waiting for you. No, you know, that's definitely a good point. And with the with the um, long form storytelling, you th- this also gives you an opportunity to pass this down. You know, if you're a comic fan, to then pass down your comics to your child. If you are a wrestling yes. fan, to then yes. pass down tapes or go to events with your child. And then you get to share and extend your fandom through generations and stuff like that, which is always, you know, great. But I, I found it funny because I, I decided to go down the rabbit hole. I started to look at some of these footnotes through the history of both of these mediums. And uh, I want you to just, like, check this out real quick. So, 1984, right? Big year. Big year. We'll start in '84 because that's the uh, that's the year WWE or WWF really started to take off with Hulk Hogan and stuff, right? So in '84, Hogan defeats the Iron Sheik, wins the world uh, the WWF World Heavyweight Championship at Madison Square Garden, and WWF begins promoting wrestling shows with Hogan in the main event in parts of the United States uh, that he had agreed. Vince McMahon had agreed to not uh, pass to not go over there and deal with. So. Um, you know, you have WWE making a big stand there, but you know who else is making a big stand in 1984? That same year, Marvel superhero Secret Wars debuts. The first of Marvel's humongous, large crossover events. This, I think, this, that was the first giant crossover in comics. Uh, period. Yeah, no, definitely, it, it, it ushered in a new breed. You know, and so <laughs> right when WWE is hitting their stride, Marvel is is uh, Marvel a, a considerable younger company than DC. Is, is changing the rules, right? Like, we're doing epics now. We're doing huge crossover events, right? So, it just so happens that the year that DC decides to come up with their big crossover event, which I know you're a fan of, Crisis on Infinite Earths, mm-hmm. that's the same well, year. Oh, go ahead, brother. I was just going to say, like, because I know a lot of, there's a lot of uh, people that will compare Secret Wars and, and Crisis, but I feel like the it should be known that they're both, both of these stories while uh while like the origin for today's events that we get once every six months yeah right yeah yeah they they were both they both came from very different places you know uh secret wars was a way to sell toys yeah you know um and uh crisis was a way to clean up their continuity because uh things had gotten really complicated and messy at dc comics thanks to the thanks to the overuse of the multiverse you had 18 different versions of batman and superman and, and the casual fan had a hard time uh knowing what was going on so it's like 
They were both around the same time, and, and uh, they were both very, very instrumental in, in, in the way we consume comic books today. But I feel like it's interesting that they both had such different origins. And had such different intentions, I believe, as well, right? Yeah, like you were saying. Yes. You know, I think intentions do uh, make the deed, you know, and so it is of the intention to sell toys. So that's basically all it did. Uh, Secret Wars, can, someone can write that off as a bad dream, you know? Like someone <laughs> can say, like, oh, that was a dream that happened. Because it, you, besides the symbiote suit, there is a, there really isn't a lot of um, weight behind the actions that happen in there in comparison to actual worlds exploding and stuff. You know, like that. I would say I would say uh, they didn't get referenced too much afterwards, but besides the uh, the symbiote suit and yeah. uh, maybe a callback to Doom World or whatever. But um, you're definitely right about that. Maybe um, one one had a, a longer lasting effect than the other. Although crisis can be seen as a mistake sometimes by some people. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, no, definitely. Because uh, it did start a, you know, that's DC not, has its own. Thing. Not even, <laughs> not even just, uh, not even the just the fact that just people started doing so many events, but more so for the idea that the writers were not willing to let go of the multiverse concept because it had been so ingrained in DC comics and DC's history that it's hard to move on without it. So after crisis was over, you had writers finding different ways to like try to sneak in alternate versions of people. And like you had, they yeah. created hyper time and, it's, it's, and it's, it, was it's, like, it was an eraser on a pencil. Like they, with, with the creation of the multiverse, it allowed people to do so much and, you don't really want to get rid of that handicap. Like, you don't really want to, you know, uh, uh, get rid of that. But then when it becomes something, a well that people are going to too many times, that well runs dry and you start to lose actual fans because things are get, get too convoluted. Uh, more so that you, it's harder to bring in new fans because yeah. it's like, where, where do I jump in? It's hard. Well, who the heck is this? There's a Robin that didn't, that didn't, be, that didn't become Nightwing. Yep. You know, it's like, it's, it's hard. <laughs> No, and, and so in 85, with Crisis on Infinite Earths, DC sets the standard of how they want to tell their long-form storytelling. With Crisis, it, that's also a definitive, um, you know, putting the foot down on all of this is connected. All of this will be one ongoing long-form story. Where they, you know, they played around a lot with like Superman and Superboy and the Legion <laughs> in the years prior to that. Like, oh, no, that was happening on a different Earth. Oh no, that was a different Superboy. Oh yeah. no, that was a different time. This was like, okay, no, everything, all these planes need to be at the same airport. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we need a clear house and all that. And in case you were a wrestling fan around that time, Visig Man was doing the same. You don't got to worry about this silly multiverse called um, uh, Territories. You know, you don't have to worry about where all these heroes are at on different Earths. I'll just buy them all. And so he goes and he grabs the, the heroes from different Earths, you know, some from the Earth uh, uh, designated AWA, some from the Earth uh, designated NWA. And in 85, when Crisis on Infinite Earths comes out, Vince McMahon gives us WrestleMania. And yes. with WrestleMania, he puts his foot down and says, this is how this business is going to start being run. The biggest gamble in the history of professional wrestling up up until, uh, well, ever actually, you know, they 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 put their company on the line. Yep. He put every cent that he had into WrestleMania. Had that failed, there wouldn't be a WWE today. 
and they still talk about the death threats that he was getting for this event. No, well, he, was... he, you know, they say it's because of the event, but let's be serious here. Vince McMahon <laughs> was not, he was not making any friends back no, then. He no. was absolutely on a tear, just completely murdered, just completely upending the, the, the landscape of professional wrestling at the time. Like, if you don't know, if you're listening to this and you're just a comic fan and you don't understand, like, why it was such a big deal, you need to know that. Prior to Vince McMahon buying the company from his father, yeah, buying the company, not being handed down or anything, he worked and he made the money and he bought the WWF from his dad. Um, His dad was part of, let's say, an unspoken agreement between territories around the country that that would separate it. Like, you know, uh, Vince McMahon Sr. had the Northeast, you know, the Crockett's had down south. it goes on and on and on, and you did not cross into someone else's territory. That would see it was like mafia stuff, yeah. you know, like yeah. you could die, you know. Um, but um, so you ran in the you ran in your networks in your area. They ran on their TV networks in their area. But then came the advent of cable television, and Vince decided that maybe I, I want to run nationwide. Right, and if you're gonna run nationwide, then you need you need wrestlers that people all around the country are familiar with. So he started buying wrestlers away from these territories, and the territories would slowly die because they lost their top people. And then yeah. Vince would offer you, you know, uh, you 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 could um, you could you could sell to us. Or uh, you could just die, and we're gonna take over yeah, anyway. Because we're still gonna we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna still keep doing what we're doing. So you yeah. either you know to get in when you can get in, or you'll be left by the wayside like everybody else. And it's, it, it's, a, it's yeah, no, it's definitely it's a rough <laughs> position. And when you think about you know the idea that when you consider like this wrestling boom in the '80s, you know the rock and wrestling and all that stuff, WrestleMania, how it's headed by Hulk Hogan. Um, could you imagine a world in which DC bought Superman from Marvel? You understand, oh. like a world in which. DC wasn't doing well and then just like stole, <laughs> you know, not that it wasn't doing well, but like, you know, they were at a level of success. And I think you're through, talking about Captain yeah. Marvel. No, oh, like, oh, no, well, that's, that is kind of true. They, they, they true. did do that though. Well, it was, it was, it was like Fawcett was already, uh, was already on a downturn and yeah, there was, was a big giant of, uh, we could do a whole nother podcast on the legal situation there. Fawcett, but, uh, Cap- <laughs> is it Capital? Capital's another one, right? Yeah, um, what do you, what do you mean? Oh, Charleston Comics, DC, yeah. DC right. had bought, yeah, they had bought their fair share of, uh, of other, uh, of other comic imprints and, and, and put them into their multiverse, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, there's another similarity right there in that the only difference being that Vince was, uh, Vince was doing his by force, yes. <laughs> and DC yes, was kind of just picking up what was available if these people were selling. Yeah. And, so, and so with the creation of WrestleMania and then the the following year, uh, you know, we get um what three different areas, three different um telecasts of WrestleMania from my say New York, Chicago, and LA. It's a bit ambitious. So, I, no, crazy a... ambitious. For your second one? Crazy yeah, ambitious. Yeah. Crazy ambitious. But I mean, it, it it was showing that the ante was being upped. This wasn't a, a case anymore like the Western where everyone can just do one and they could all just be fine and that's that. People are, are playing for keeps here in both the wrestling and the comic book world. As as 86 uh, starts to roll around, we get both Watchmen and Dark Knight uh, Returns, which 
change everything, right? Like that that changes the entire uh, uh, medium of comic books and how we look at them and how they are written and how um, narration is done and how time jumps are done and how um, inner monologues are done. Uh, I think some people still look at those books as a mistake. Um, I, can, I can I can see I that argument. I can see it's, it's the attitude era argument, right? Like how some yeah. people now looking back are like, well, you know, maybe not all that stuff was necessary. Well, it's like it's more, it more, it's more, it more comes from the fact that some of the some of the people that became writers in the generation after those books misunderstood what those books were doing and put that into their work, and then that yes. stuff became a little popular, yeah. and then um, that led to almost the death of like the comic industry. <laughs> like yeah, you know, no, like, no, you're, you're right. <laughs> They, they 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 misunderstood the the way these stories were being told like they weren't being told as dark and gritty for dark and gritty's sake you know this is just the way that this story needed to be told and they were given the freedom to do that but other people thought it was so cool you know like batman is freaking trying to break joker's neck oh my god the time, like, like, and they want that all the time like and it, they, it, it, yeah. changes, it changes batman to black all black. <laughs> you know what I'm black in, in a gray, way, it's black. like we can be. We should. We should always. Uh, we should respect the the what those books did for the medium. But at the same time, it wasn't all good. You know, we yeah. we 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 might not be where we are today without them for sure. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be like you don't want to look back at it as a mistake that you want to erase from history. Right. But uh, there was definitely a downturn after those books. I mean, not 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 directly after in the way like uh, in like those books came out and then shit just went down. No, it was just like a uh, uh, a uh, I don't want to what's the word I'm it's, looking like it's for? like a tonal shift. Yeah, not a not. It's like uh, it was like a slowly like things got really big and then the bubble popped. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you you when those books come out, they they gather a new um a new level of fandom. As a matter of fact, a lot of adult fans, you know, a lot yes. of self admitted adult fans, a lot of like, oh no, I'm I'm digging this, I'm into this. Uh, I think Watchmen is on the uh, 100 novels to read before you die, or 100 greatest it American is. novels. Time, time magazine, yeah. Um. And so it, it was definitely no slouch. And so things are changing, man. Things are things are definitely changing. And even with Marvel creating the crossover event, DC with these side books are showing that they, you know, they're no slouch either. And you know who else isn't a slouch? The Crockett family. Because in 1988, the Crockett family sells a majority interest in Jim Crockett Promotions, one of the last promotions left after Vince gets rid of all his competition. And the buyer? Turner Broadcasting Systems in 1988, resulting in the creation of World Championship Wrestling. He wanted to try that wrestling. You know, I think I can go ahead and try myself a little bit of that wrestling. And so Ted Turner, uh, yeah, Turner Broadcasting Systems creates a World Championship Wrestling in 1988. And um, 89, we get Batman the movie. Which which yes. that changes what we could what we think of like as far as comic book media is concerned and how we adapt things from comic books, literally throwing out the whole comic book <laughs> to create that film. But great film and and you know um uh what do uh a listers, you know, a listers. Oh yes, uh, up oh, and yes. down in, in uh, Batman eighty nine, and so it becomes and in the same way WWE is trying to garner um respect in the same entertainment fields by allowing people to perform at WrestleMania, by allowing people to host WrestleMania, by allowing people to special guest referee. And all of a sudden, um, the walls are expanding 
for both of these mediums as they start to let a little bit of the real world in to kind of, you know, like you can check it. You can touch the water. The water's fine. It's great. Things are happening. Uh, great things are happening o- over here. And like you said, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So what could possibly happen? Like, like what, 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 what's next? And like you said, eventually the bubble gets so big that we get kind of a slump in the early nineties. Well, in- WWE for sure. But that was more, um, that was more a result of their outdated storytelling. Yes. Um, in DC, we get the humongous uh, storyline, Death of Superman, uh, which, you know, a long time hero, long time uh, favorite character, Superman, is is killed. And uh, a huge turning point in comics. People are like, wait, we can kill them? This is a big deal. <laughs> as, long as, was- as long as you bring them back. It was more like, you know, people weren't buying Superman either. They were trying to figure out what can we do with him. Yeah. And it was like, you know, we should kill him. Yeah, and, right. uh, the, you know, the story, you know, I think uh, a lot of you know the story where it's like uh, they, they, uh, it's like you guys aren't appreciating him, so let's take him away from you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and how curious that in the same five-year period um, of the of Superman, you know, being killed in the comics, you know, our, our resident Superman, Hulk Hogan, he ain't getting the love that he used to get. Nope. That's another result of the outdated storytelling. The fans did not want to see the cheesy, say your prayers, uh, eat your vitamins, uh, the the char- very, very cartoony characters that they had, the, the Repo Man, Doink the Clown, you yeah. know, like the, the, the Isaac Yankums, you know, all these occupational gimmicks. It was like yep. really corny just like we were done with the crazy quilts and the zebra mans and the yeah it's you know? exactly exactly like exactly like comics where uh be- where it was taking a turn from a medium that was specifically for kids and it was a little cheesy and a little bit of dialogue was always like simplified so that the children could understand what was going on they wanted to become respected in uh, comics, and that's where we ended up getting things like Watchmen and uh, Dark Knight Returns, and uh, yeah. and uh, Vin, Ver, Vin, DC um, created their Vertigo imprint. Yes, and then, yep. then we got stories like Swamp Thing, the Saga of Swamp Thing by Alan Moore and uh, Sandman, and 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 uh, the very unrelated Sandman Mystery Theater, and yeah, all these Hellblazer, Hellblazer. Hellman. It's like all these. Uh, they were called sophisticated reading because they wanted to create comics for. Uh, for adults, for for yeah. people that for, they wanted to be respected. Well, Unfortunately, they, they were like you were just saying, they were catering to an audience that had left. You yes. know, like they had, we were catering to to golden age comic fans from the forties and the fifties and the sixties, and those fans had left. What you do have though is fans of the seventies and the eighties who are now older, and they needed something to latch onto. And it's the same thing with professional wrestling. You know, we love your Pipers and your Snookers and your Hogans, but eventually we're going to need a new generation. Uh, uh. And, so, yeah. <laughs> and so we start moving into sort of kind of the new generation era. Also, you have in 1990, uh, Time Inc. and Warner Communications merge. And those are that's uh, DC's parent company. So the power is getting bigger on that side. Um, and... Yeah, so you you're getting in like this new gener- generation era where we're trying to figure out what new steps can we take. Well, how can we respect the uh, past but start doing some new things? And um, I would want to say that it happened in comics before it happens in uh, professional wrestling because in 1992, 
we get a nice little company called Image Comics, which was founded by several high-profile illustrators as a venue for creator-owned properties. We got guys like Jim Lee. We got guys like um. It was uh, it was four guys. It was uh, Eric Larson, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, and, and Jim, Jim Lee. Lee. Yeah. The four. These are four. Like you need to understand. Like these were <laughs> these were yeah. superstars in comics. Like these were huge these guys were huge they yep. like and they took their services and left dc and marvel and like it's like we're gonna start our own stuff yeah we're gonna start our own company and that's that's that, that was unheard of at the time obviously but but like thinking back it's like what a gamble you know you guys were like huge and i would um i guess like the only comparison that could be made to that exodus of top talent and then going to create their own company would be they, i don't even think there was something like that in professional wrestling until maybe today you yes, know yes recently I where agree. uh you have uh four of the very top free, uh free agents in professional wrestling like the very top non-wwe signed wrestlers in the planet who yep. could have went anywhere they wanted you know and they decided with the backing of a billionaire, obviously, that they were gonna start their own thing. You know, forget forget being creatively stifled. You know what I mean? You know, forget being told what I'm gonna be. I'm gonna decide for myself. And that's exactly what happened at Image Comics too. It's like, you know, forget playing in someone else's playground and playing within their borders. And I wanna build my own park. Yeah, you know, it's 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 that actually happened in a similar way too, right? Because the guys at Image left Marvel, um, and um, majority of the guys in um, the, the four that we're speaking about in All Elite, they left um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And when when both sets of four left that big company, people automatically just jumped to the conclusion that they were going to join the other big company. Yep. Like that. Well, and, and they had offers seconds. too. Yeah. It, huge offers. They yeah, they exactly. It's on both ends and with Image Comics too. It's like huge offers these guys turned down. Yep, to to, to, to to strike it out on their own, to gamble on themselves. That's the type of confidence I need. Damn it. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Image, Image Comics ends up giving us Spawn. Ends up giving us um uh, Wildstorm. Yeah, we got Spawn. We got Savage Dragon. We got the Wildstorm. You got so um, many of these. Eventually, the Walking Dead comics. Yeah, the, the the story of Image Comics is a funny one too because it was like it's not like uh, it was like they jumped off and it was like they did have huge success in the beginning, yeah. right? And then they went on a little bit of a downturn. Jim Lee actually sold his chair, yep, like he kind of turned his back on these guys, and they kicked and they kicked Rob Liefeld out. They kicked Liefeld out, you know. At the end, by the end of it, uh, Todd McFarlane had a top spot. Eric Larson was still around, and um, you know, the, in two thousand three, The Walking Dead came out, and it wasn't like that was some breakout book. You know, it took yeah, a little while. Definitely. It wasn't until it decided until they decided to adapt it into the massively successful television show that uh, it became. Yeah, that yeah. AMC grabbed it right up. Yep. But in 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 these early nineties. A lot of people who will come into prominence start to make their way around in the indies. You know, your Jericho's, your Benoit's, your Guerrero's. Um, but um, you have image there, people taking their own chances. Um, and it, it, DC and Marvel had to take notice. And because when they, were, when they left Marvel, 
I want to say that uh, those four were were working on like the five best books or that were selling at the time. You know, like some of the highest books selling for Marvel were direct result of the people who just yes. left to work yes. for Image, um, which you know caused a little bit of strife there. But good for them for putting their um, flag into the ground. And absolutely, it it just keeps on moving because the very next year, Raw debuts in 1993 on the USA Network. Actually. I actually forgot about uh, Mark Silvestri and Jim Valentino. Yes, there's another one. And Will, <laughs> and Will, Port, Will Portacio? Uh, Will's Portacio, Will's yes. Will's yes. Yeah. Yeah. Will's Portacio. I, I'll never forget that name. It's very particular. <laughs> it's Will's, damn it. No. Yeah. Um, in 93, you got WWE Raw and uh, the Mexican promotion, AAA, uh, gets created. But in publishing... In 93, Tops, Claypool, Alternative, Bingo, Hall of Heroes, Lightning, Azteca, Dagger, Majestic, Triumphant, uh, Disney, Vortex, Eclipse, Innovation, Personality, North Star, uh, and uh, First Comics all closed down as publishers. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, um, the, yes, the po- comic book uh, publishers started closing left and right, uh, and in the in these early years, WWE's numbers ain't doing too hot. You got guys, you got talented guys up there. You got Brett, you got Sean, you got Diesel and stuff, uh, Razor, Yoko, but they're not. We, we still haven't figured out why these guys are more important than the guys you told us were important in the eighties, like the Hogan's, the Macho Man's, the Pipers, Snookers, and stuff like that. Um, do you remember uh, wrestling back then? Do you remember like? The idea in ninety three, like the idea of like um like uh, action figures and seeing Hogan on television, like a pop culture. Uh, I would say I would say that well, I was born in ninety one, so so uh, the first uh, the first instance of wrestling that I had seen, I wouldn't even have known it was wrestling. It would have been the Macho Man snapping to a Slim Jim. Ah, right, yes, yep. You know, I thought he was the Slim Jim guy. (laughs) i just i i I wouldn't have questioned it back then i was just like that's the commercial slim jim guy going back now (laughs) though as an adult um is there anything that you generate towards that you realize had you seen it maybe when you were older you would have dug more in the 80s and the 90s early 90s oh my if when it comes to early 90s going back as an adult nothing um it would have been all japan pro wrestling like I, i i spend a lot of time now watching uh 90s all japan pro wrestling like that is uh honestly what i consider one of the greatest eras of pro wrestling history the yeah. the story there's a long-term story that they were telling called the king's road where the the company had dealt with the with the loss of a few of their top guys so they invested in their younger generation and they built them in a way that has never been done was never done before and has never been done since and we could do a whole there could be an hour of me explaining how the, how it works but basically the the gist of it is the 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 they banked on four on about four guys and they had these four guys um wrestling each other not like constantly not like today where you would see like where the, like the top companies were run a feud into the ground oh <laughs> by having people wrestle Forever. over and over and over again but over a period of, I want to say, like eight years, you had guys, you had guys uh, 
interacting with each other and teaming up and going against each other and they were telling stories in the ring where it would be like okay the last time i wrestled you uh you beat me with this move so the next time i'll wrestle you i have a counter for that and i have my own and then and then and then the next time you wrestle you'll have a counter for my counter now i have to create a new move to beat you they're actually telling stories in the ring and and it's the stories are being told in the ring and it's like something like uh, today today i'm just fascinated by it and the, and, the, and the matches are like they they didn't feel so choreographed it felt like a struggle you know yeah. like everything wasn't so clean and pristine and it looks exactly like it would in a video game if you press x you know it was like a <laughs> it's like a struggle you know yeah. it looked like nothing nothing ever looked the same you know, people looked like they were dying in the ring and unfortunately some of them did one of them did die in the ring later much later on in his life misawa <laughs> um but as a result of that very hard style. But still, looking back as an adult in that era, in the 90s, it would be All Japan Pro Wrestling. Because uh, WCW still hadn't... <clears throat> in, the, in, what, in the era you're talking about, WCW still hadn't gotten their cool factor. And no, uh, As a matter of fact, in 92, Flair goes back to WWE. Or goes to yeah, WWE. Yeah. Uh, and is in their rumble, and, takes their title, all that stuff. So it's like... Uh... Yeah. yeah so um wwf and wcw would not have been something that i would have enjoyed today i probably would have been a tape trader back then right, <laughs> or nothing <right. laughs> no, i definitely get it uh yes and then in 1994 uh, we get eastern championship wrestling succeeding from nwa in the, the most person. crazy way possible <laughs> right? though you know <laughs> right throwing that title on the ground still taking the title Thanking them for giving them the title and then throwing that title on the ground, spitting on the floor and saying, we don't want nothing to do with NWA. And they uh, had no idea it was coming. Nope. It and, was coming. and they had to do press conferences like, oh, we do, that guy is the champion. Uh, he's still the champion. Don't listen to what he said about throwing the belt on the floor. We still recognize him as the NWA champion. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But yeah, I feel like ECW, I feel like while in spirit, um, Image Comics is AEW. I feel like the 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 business side was more ECW, where uh, they they had guys who were more fans um, in the business aspect of it, more so than good businessmen. Yes, and so on their pure talent and passion alone, they got really far. But they thought uh, that they were a little that, bit mis- mismanaged. Yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> but they didn't have. I mean, you look at like Image Comics. You look at like st- um, in their height. They were like, like missing publishing dates, and they were like, you know, hiring way too many people and, and busting, um, you know, budgets and all this other <laughs> kind of stuff. And it's because it's because, like you said, they were rock stars. Every one of those guys left. Think about it. If if um if the guys in the elite had all left and all started their own promotions individually. <laughs> You know, because those <laughs> that's guys, basically what, yeah, that's yeah, they exactly go to have, Image yeah. and they all have their own imprint on Image, where they own, they all can hire their own staff and all that kind of stuff. So it definitely goes crazy, but it's definitely the time to start um, taking your chances because ECW taking its chance. Then Paul Heyman, uh, you know, being the criminal mastermind on on that side of things. He ends up bringing us guys like Eddie Guerrero, like Dean Malenko. He ends up bringing in the Rey Mysterios, the Psychosis, and all that stuff. Um, what are your memories, or what are or what's your feeling when you look back at some of that ECW stuff through the documentaries, all that stuff? The idea that um, that small bingo hall in Pennsylvania cultivated some of the greatest talent that we've ever seen. 
Well, uh, like it's, uh, I have a different perspective on ECW because I, I, like when I got back into wrestling, WWE had just put out the rise and fall of ECW DVD. Okay. And that Where's was my first experience. at the time? At the time, they weren't uh, doing a lot of DVDs on it's, other companies. It's still like one of the best documentaries they've ever done. Yeah. Um, um, just because of how unfiltered it was, it was raw, you know, um, there were some stories they kept out because, as we all know nowadays, ECW was a pretty crazy place, and some of that, some of those stories can't be told on a WWE sanctioned DVD. <laughs> right, but um, my so that was like my first experience with ECW was that DVD, and I was like, wow, you know, I'm gonna go back and check it out. So eventually, I discovered the internet, and I was able to download every single show, you know, every single pay per view, yeah. all the TVs. I was able to watch. Uh, complete feuds, you know, like I got to watch Tommy Dreamer versus Raven all the way through, and that that spawned like RVD and Jerry Lynn was like yeah. something something out of a video game. But um, when looking back on ECW, first I, just, I respected the the I don't want to say. I want to say the creativity of uh, Paul Heyman and uh, the wrestlers that were under him. He was like everybody. Everybody knows Heyman is like a. He's like a bit of a con artist, right? <laughs> but uh, like he's a known liar and everything. But that's what he needed to make that little company succeed. I mean, like, all he... promoters are in a way, right? Yeah, it, it went, in wrestling, in wrestling, <laughs> this is the most carny business ever. You know, right. <laughs> like, you have to be able to talk out of both sides of your mouth. You have to be able to yeah, fib absolutely. sometimes, and you definitely have to be able to exaggerate. And Paul Heyman could exaggerate. He got people to to believe in people like Taz. You know. Who, yeah, this tiny little guy. <laughs> who changes who changes the game of, of what a champion could be. A champion could just be this stoic, barely talking monster, you know, um, that just runs through uh, a company and its and its roster and stuff. That's one of the things about ECW was their willingness to take chances. Yeah. Not everything worked, but when it did work, it worked. You know? Like yeah. that's that that was the thing. Unfortunately, and then, I don't think ECW. I I think that if ECW had had the proper business situation at the time of their death, they might still be around today. Uh, unfortunately, you know, there was a mismanagement of money and bad deals were made, and and the business side of things ended up killing what was a really fun promotion. Right. But um, yeah, when it, when looking back on ECW, the one the, the one thing that I that I respect the most would be the, their willingness to take chances. We don't see a lot of that today. Yeah, definitely. This and very some of, the, some of the chances they took, I would have never taken, but it led <laughs> to success. And so you got EC, ECW, uh, you know, born and it, they're bubbling. Uh, WCW decides, screw it. We, they know, ain't no point in hiding it anymore. We are here to compete. And in 1995, Monday Nitro debuts. Uh, long, um, you know, basically in the same time slot as Monday Night War, uh, Ro Monday Night War, Monday Night Raw, creating what we uh know as the Monday Night War, where WCW and WWE fought for ratings every week, uh, for their respective Monday Night Wrestling programs. Um, WCW starts to get a little bit of momentum in 1996 when Hall, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash go over there, uh, um. They leave WWF as these one raise Ramon and show up over there as Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and then announce on July 7th that Hulk Hogan is their third man in the stable NWO. And also in 96, uh, Bret Hart gets screwed. Or I think that's 97. I feel, 
I feel like a big part of uh, a big part of uh, that 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 WCW getting the edge on WWF at the time was that when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash came over to WCW, there was no there was no internet back then, you know. Nope. So a person who was watching WWF on on Monday. On the previous Monday, they would see, they would have seen, you know, they would have seen Big Diesel, or they would have seen Razor Ramon, you know, um, and and then it's like, what are these guys doing in this other company? Like, are they going over there for us? Like, these are WWF guys. They hadn't said their name, and WCW purposely kind of, um, kind of uh, insinuated that they were still Diesel and, and uh, Razor Ramon mm-hmm. by not giving them names and just letting them act the way they had acted in their gimmicks before. So it was like, yeah. are these WCW, are these WWF guys there? And then it's like, holy shit, let's watch this. Let's watch this and see what the our guys are going to do. And then you didn't realize you just got tricked into becoming a WCW fan. That's move. That's move. But they, that's all they needed. They needed something familiar. And, you know, these comic books do it all the time, right? Starting again with number one. Yeah, you remember this. You remember this guy. You remember this story. Follow through. So um, I think, yeah, that, that was a good way to do it. And the NWO also changes the game of what we think of as far as stables are concerned in as far, in, in pure numbers alone, right? Like in pure. It changed, like, the game. it changed the game in a lot of ways yeah. because they were bad guys. Yeah. But they were so cool. And they sold so much merchandise. And they won so much. They won all the time. They won, all, you know, like, we we lived in an era for a very long time where even though, um, you know, it, it's it's traditional for the good guy to chase after the bad guy um, until he finally gets it, you also have long stretches of Hogan just beating everybody. You know, like, it didn't matter who you were, how much heat you had, it didn't matter, you were going to lose. And in the same sense... Here now we're changing the game. Well, yeah, you're you're a good and popular good guy, but you're still not as popular as my bad guy, and so we're gonna just go in that direction, which was a which was a big deal. It's the same thing like when comics like Superman are not selling, but maybe a Teen Titans is. You know, it's like well the audience is speaking. I know who you are. I know why you're important, but they don't want you right now. They want this thing. They want this thing on the side. Did you um? Do you remember when you started to look towards not the the big, like let's say Big Seven in DC or the Avengers in Marvel? Do you remember when you started to fall for some of the smaller or the more um, tangential characters in comic books? Well, again, um, of course, uh, uh, me growing up in the nineties, I only had a, I was only exposed to uh, what I saw on TV. Yeah. So when I got into comics, obviously I got hooked by the big by the big guys. But it, reading stories like I want to say, oh, this is a, actually a hard question. It, it just kind of it just kind of felt so natural that I, yeah. it's hard to to pinpoint one instance where I was like, oh man, these these uh, smaller characters are more interesting when you read about them on their own. Yeah. I think maybe it would have been the first time I read Gotham Central. Oh, that's a that's that's very intimate. That's a very intimate uh, series. Yeah, because it's like, you know, Batman is a looming shadow in this story, but he's not a char- He's not a main character. You know, at best, he's a uh, a supporting character. Even less than that, because he shows up so infrequently. But but uh, just just being able to read about these characters that I like, like Renee Montoya and uh, and uh, Billy Corgan and and uh, 
all these all these cops it was like whoa you know this is really interesting i i, I you don't need I, I don't need to uh i don't need to read about batman or superman or or just for it to be interesting actually my what what really happened was when i first got into comics i just um i was just following a roadmap to learn the history of uh marvel right which was Mar- marvel was my first love uh it was marvel so as uh, as things went on i started to notice certain writers were writing better stories than other writers you know right, yeah, so yeah. i was just like um let me see what else this guy is writing and 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 by that point it be, it did, it was less let me read this superman book and it became let me read this ed brubaker book right you know yeah. so so that's when that's what really pulled me into these these small characters the fact that i was following creators to whatever they were doing in this in the big in dc or marvel and then it's like whoa it doesn't matter what character is on the book if the if yeah. if the writer is so good but that, that also speaks a little bit to your wrestling fandom, would you say? Because yeah. you know, you it doesn't become a, anymore about WWE matches; it becomes about wrestling matches, and yes. you start to follow um, writers or wrestlers that you like around the world in different promotions. And yep. it, it doesn't matter what promotion or what character that they're writing for or writing under, because exactly. when push comes to shove, they're going to um, it's going to be good because you you they're already perform. Yep. You, you can already uh, count on that level of quality there. Uh, so I just wanted to say on this time here, let's just talk about the attitude era as it res- in respects to both, um, mediums, because comics went a little crazy in the late nineties. <laughs> I've seen some <laughs> of these, I've seen some of these redesigns, bro. Uh, I've seen Thor as Thunderstrike, you know, stuff like that. Well, the- that. <laughs> There's well, let's lot. talk about yeah. There's a, there's a lot. I guess we should talk about WWE WWF's attitude era at the time. Well, first, let's move it back. Let's move it back because I yeah. think it actually starts with that creation of the NWO. I think the I think the fact that um you know Vin, Vince McMahon lost three uh top names to WCW and then WCW creates the NWO, which starts to go off like gangbusters and make them all kinds of money and get them all kinds of press. And um, things were not working the way that they used to work in um, WWF. And it, the title was basically being hot potatoed between Shawn Michaels and uh, Bret Hart at times. You saw like the rise of guys like Austin and stuff. But Vince had to make a decision. And um, I think that when you start, when you consider the start of the Attitude Era, a lot of people point to um, Bret being screwed in Montreal. When Vince finally comes out and says, I am Mr. McMahon. Uh, and the, what does he say? The uh, the old way of doing things is passe. Yeah, that's that's the, thing. <laughs> that's the thing. That's what he came out and said. A lot of purists were like, absolutely, uh, they just felt disrespected. You right. know, like how could he come out and basically admit that this stuff isn't on the on the on the up and up? <laughs> you right. know, like this is yeah. all bull. Yeah, we're 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 done with the era of good guys and bad guys. It's all grays, right. you know. Um, but that's WWF. That's WWE's. Uh, that's the way they would sell it to you. But I feel like the Attitude Era just kind of started when they started taking ideas from ECW. Doing, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, ECW did cultivate a lot of that, a lot of that aggression, a lot of that attitude. A lot of that stuff. Guys like Austin in ECW did a lot of that stuff. And then they just pulled Austin 
uh, you know, right from the ranks. And yeah. as this is going on, you you also got um, a huge um, upflux in favoritism towards anti-heroes, the uh, Punishers of the world, the Venoms, the Spawns, the Wolverines, you know, and uh, people start to dig more of those characters to the point that one of the first Marvel movies made in the in the in the late nineties is Blade. You understand? Know like like just yeah. edgy, cursing, blood, uh, you know, no nonsense. Um, I was I would say I would say would I say that that's the first successful Marvel superhero movie? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with yeah. Cause I'm like I know they had tried before you know Marvel on TV was more successful you had the Incredible Hulk yes you had uh you had the the cartoons yep. you know uh, um yep and those go as far but, back um, as the 60s and 70s some of those cartoons yeah yes exactly uh the 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 anime of uh, I guess the animation world was doing a lot better than than the movies at the time so I think I think yeah I think I would say that uh, Blade was the first popular Marvel film and and and. Like you said, it was like edgy and dark and vampires and (laughs) killing each other. And so sometimes uh, sometimes you get situations like um, you get you're digging your your Hogan and they're like, you know what? We don't want Hogan around anymore. And he he loses to Warrior. And maybe you're not digging Warrior as much as you're digging Hogan. You know, maybe maybe a change was needed, but that wasn't the change. Um. What they do over there in DC is they decide to break my man Batman's back. And in breaking his back, they decide to sub him out with a, a different, more edgier uh, Batman. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about Asriel the Batman and the Asriel or Asbat's uh, suit? <laughs> uh, I attract, don't retractable know claws, how... I think? I don't know how <laughs> I would have felt... I don't know how I would have felt about that as a as an adult comic reader back yeah. then. I, I'm not sure that I would have um <laughs> I would have been too happy about it because it went on it went on for like a year, right? Yeah. Yep. And they were they making were... it seem like this was gonna like this was gonna be it. Like this was the new you know, like Bruce Bruce can be there and he can mentor and all that kind of stuff can happen and stuff. But we're taking a new direction on the Batman and. This is this is gonna be it, and he had like rocket launcher, like rocket boosters, retractable claws. I think he had a. Did he have the flaming sword back then too? Uh, did he? He had some kind of flamethrower or something on yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, also toys in the nineties are bonkers. They're blowing up. Uh, McFarlane goes ahead and creates McFarlane toys, and that's where like half of his uh, riches lies in in licensing guys like Kiss, Kiss MLB uh, players, all that kind of stuff, and making it's these still these, really it's still really successful, actually incredibly successful. And WWE, you know, they've never been a slouch coming out with their own action figures. WCW as well, and ECW. I, did ECW ever do action figures? I know they got a game license eventually. If they did, I don't. <laughs> they must be really. <laughs> Yeah, because I've not been. I, I don't think I've ever seen them. You don't have the public enemies ECW. Um. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I get that. Um, you said it a little bit. You touched on it a little bit. Do you think that um that that edgy nature is where either one of these mediums should stay? Um, obviously, no. you know we can't stay in the sugar coated, right? We we the the eighties are gone. And in the sixties are gone as far in respects to comics are concerned. Hey, so where is that medium? Do you feel? I feel like we got a pretty good. We've we've got a pretty good balance today. 
sometimes they take it too over the edge, and uh, but they always pulled back. There's actually really interesting because I um you that you mentioned all the uh, extreme edginess of the '90s and the the crazy guns and all the Rod Blakefield style the patches. Windows. You need to Grenades. see boobs. Because <laughs> Marvel, Marvel actually, you know, I, I I know you know. You remember Heroes Reborn? Yeah, yeah. We're where, doing where it Marvel, again. <laughs> where, where Marvel was like, maybe that image style is what we need for our books. So they yep. they they outsourced their properties to freaking Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld, yep. who had left, and it turns out that that stuff didn't work. It they, was like a complete reboot, and they wanted to do things their way. And uh, Jim Lee handled Fantastic Four and Iron Man, and then Rob Liefeld had Avengers and Captain America, God, where we that get cat, that man. infamous photo <laughs> of uh, <laughs> Super Chest Captain, Captain America. America is uh, a thing of nightmares, bro. That thing is and terrible. It, was, it wasn't selling. It just wasn't selling. No, nobody wanted this. <laughs> did you know? Did you know that they actually also created an uh, imprint called Marvel Edge? And that lasted a year. It was like it was like what I guess would eventually become that that Max imprint, but it was their first yeah. try at it, and it did uh, not Marvel, work. Marvel Knights, Marvel Max, some of those like Fury Max, some of those stories are really really good. Yeah, but um, I don't think that I don't think that that was the direction to go. But back then they were like really focused on gimmicks and uh, trying to get the most possible sales, no matter if the creative quality of the stories was dropped. You know, like and that yeah. ended up. Leading to the uh, Marvel almost going out of business. Yeah, 19, uh, December twenty seventh, nineteen ninety seven. Marvel Entertainment files for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy protection. Big deal when you consider that, like you said, Blade is around the corner. You know, X Men is around the corner now. These are these are um, properties Marvel had sold off to to not be in bankruptcy or what up, uh, whatever. But yeah, they were definitely. There was definitely some cracks in what had seemed like invincible armor at the time. And, um, you know, the late 90s comes and goes. And, you know, uh, both WWE and WCW, D- DC and Marvel, they all, you know, all those uh, ships rise with the rising tides. And, you know, with uh, cable and with the, in- uh, the beginnings of the Internet, they all start to um, rise. But eventually, like all these bubbles <laughs> end up popping again. And so in... Uh, late 2000, late 2000s, early 2001, WWE buys this competition again. ECW gets purchased. WCW gets purchased by WWE. Meanwhile, um, you know, I, I, we were talking about all that edginess, right? Uh, we get some of what the the response to that edginess is as far as the PG era in WWE is concerned. But when I want to point to comic books, what comic book response was to that edginess, I have to point at Kingdom Come, right? That was a beautiful story, actually told about how uh, how things had gotten to Edgy. Exactly, exactly. Kingdom Come was maybe I want to. It, was it the first um, in story reference to how things had begun so uh, dark and uh, everything? Right. I think so. I mean that that was very on the nose. A lot of it, but but if you lived it, you feel it. You know, if it, yeah, it, it feels. It's hot. um. It kind of reminds me of uh, DC Rebirth. Yeah, where where uh, DC Rebirth number one, the book, not the uh, initiative, the very not short the whole book. thing that they lied to us about. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Um, but the hook yeah. was, yeah, <laughs> that things had gotten too dark, and we need to inject some hope and yeah. uh, optimism back into the universe of comics because that's what people read comic books for to uh, 
to read about a better to read about better versions of humanity you know yes. like a, an ideal to strive towards you know yep and so that that villain there magog he represents that the whole like decline of golden age sensibilities and like um you know screw that pouches guns like we're just gonna do we're just gonna do that all the time and they, i think um i think they say uh alec ross alex ross says he designed magog specifically based off of like rob lightfields <laughs> <you know? laughs> oh, uh, oh, yeah and it, you know it, it 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 it's harrowing to see you know these older golden age heroes like we see them older we see them feeble and we the, what they're replaced by is nothing you know the the are psychopaths really right like it's just a bunch of crazy people shooting each other up with flamethrowers and stuff and superman's all like yeah i'm not about any of this i don't want to do any of this so i i thought that that was really um big that they that they put a you know their flag in the staff because um wwef doesn't ever really talk about the bad parts of the Attitude Era, you know, where they probably of course should not. Have Everything that, was perfect back then, always. if you ask Vince. It was, it was perfect, and it was always uh, perfect. But, um, yeah, I actually, what, what's, what's funny to me is that you you have the Attitude Era for both of these, which, like I said, it was, like, late 90s, right? And then the next era that comes for the WWF is what's called the Ruthless Aggression Era. And so, just for a lack of, of having a term, let's call the same period of time for comic books, the Ruthless Aggression Era. Um, I feel like the Ruthless Aggression Era, in some ways, is more offensive than the Attitude Era. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like in both mediums, they they stretched they they saw what they could do in the Attitude Era out of necessity, and then when necessity just started to dwindle, they just started to just to do things. I don't know that I would say the Ruthless Aggression Era was more offensive than the attitude era say because uh i mean i'll give you katie vick bro well that was a thing (laughs) but at the same time it's like um you see in the attitude era things like things were wild things were like wild they were trying things because they didn't have a border yet and they would try something Uh and then they will find out we can't do that again (laughs) so by the time we get to the end of that stuff it's because the um the parent watchdog corporations were hounding vince and they were like breathing down his neck and then they were and and advertisers were pulling out because they were because uh these watchdog parental groups were like uh creating this negative stigma about pro wrestling being all tits and ass and and curses and you want to talk about another comparison both of these things have been brought to like court to say like these things have negative effects on society both professional wrestling and comic books have been brought to like supreme court with with actual factual like like not proof but you know documentation and studies and all kinds of stuff to be like no this stuff is bad for you meanwhile i love them both so i don't know what the hell's wrong with me (laughs) uh... (laughs) well you know back then in the 50s was when the was when the comics got put on the on the uh on the on the stake on the like burned on burned at the stake so to speak yeah. right because people people had a really simplistic mindset back then oh man batman and robin two men hanging out together all day you must be gay yep and 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 these books must turn children into homosexuals not that that's a bad thing that's right? not a bad thing but you know back then you're not going to get it from a book you you, you know uh, first yeah first of all you're born that way <laughs> you know you don't get it from a book you don't learn. Oh man, you don't learn from Batman and Robin. But um, <laughs> I, learned, you know, I learned how to be gay from you. 
Okay. <laughs> you know, not that, again, not that, that not that being gay is a bad thing, but this was 1950, and people were like really, really. I don't want to say stupid. They didn't know any better. They had <laughs> to find a way to i to label something to to identify something that they don't that they didn't know. These books are rotting our children's brains. Yep. And then, you know, the Comics Code Association was created and and the end of, com- like, really compelling stories and then the beginning of, like, wild, cheesy, wacky, Silver Age stuff, yep. all the animals and stuff like that. And then uh, wrestling kind of had to deal with the same thing. You got taken to court because, look, this is this is turning my son into a degenerate. And, like, he, he, he power drives yeah. his sister. You oh, have but that the kids horrible. are the you kids know, that, are doing that. suck it in school. There was a there was a kid that, yeah there was a kid that pile drives his sister and killed her. But again, you know those are like those are like that's not that's not what happens. You didn't have kids pile driving their sisters. No, no, no. Oh, it's the same thing. Like I said, it's the same thing. Like those you know? who jumped out of the window to be Superman. Right? Is that yeah, a reason exactly. to cancel all books? No. You, know? you probably should have no. told that kid that he cannot fly. He probably shouldn't try those things. But same way, right you shouldn't try a pile driver. The right people were convinced that that was the case, and uh, and that's what happened. Um, I wanted to take a second to talk about uh, to talk about um, like they in this in like the nineties and stuff. They actually had wrestling comic books. Yes, know, back they then. did. Yes, they did. I uh, they were really wacky and wild. And I, and I, I only so- knew Warrior. I only knew Warrior to have a book. I knew his crazy. You know, they he had, had a book. He definitely had a book. WWF had like a comic. It was like they told like weird stories about the Undertaker. They were all really bad. <laughs> weird stories with the Undertaker. Weird. That's, what, that's what it should be called. That's what the title should be called. <laughs> I, I would actually go out of my way. But did you get the? Did you get your issue of weird Taker story? Um, I like that. So yeah, like like to talk about the crossover between wrestling and comic books, which is what the episode's about. Like they, there was like a complete crossover between wrestling and comic books. And yep. the fact they had books that they weren't very successful, but they weren't really good either. So, you yeah. know, but they existed, but they were out I, there. They were out there. I, mean, I guess they're still out there. You know they can't the, be, you know, it was the third thing, right? Like they, the other thing that like you, everything had to be every, like if you wanted to be successful and cross all the, all the, all the boundaries, whatever you had to have some sort of like toy. You had to have some sort of, um, like I said, like some sort of action figure. But for some reason, everything got into like monster trucks at that in the nineties too. So there was like WWF monster trucks, WCW monster trucks. Like that was not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I never got the appeal when it comes to monster trucks. Me either. I mean, I I guess. I guess I guess I was a weird kid too. You know, I was never really into cars. I know like a lot of men are like, God, cars, cars are awesome, cars are so manly. But yeah. I never really got into it like that. So I guess maybe that's the reason yeah. why monster trucks never appealed to me. But I think like even today there's still a thing. Like yeah, people I love I, monster I, trucks. I don't get it, but they they had recently been in an Uber where the driver was like, are you going to the local arena tonight? And I thought it was because I had my Bullet Club sweater on. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, oh, I know SmackDown's going to be here uh, next week. Right, and right, then right. he's like, no, man, I'm talking about the uh, the Monster Truck show. And I'm like. And it got, it got really quiet for him. First of all, is this such a commonplace thing that you can just be like, you're going to the arena? And yeah. I'm supposed to know the guy. Like, hey, the Jim, we got three more for the arena. We're going. You know, we're going. Oh my gosh! I didn't know it was so popular, but at the same time, like I said, yeah, I don't. I never got the appeal. Right. Yeah. 
so with with the internet busting open um, both of these mediums, we now have a closer look at the going, the comings and goings of every aspect of entertainment when it comes to comic books and and um, wrestling. Now we know when someone's signed, we know when someone's put out a new book, we know when someone's being punished, we know when someone's getting new opportunities. Um, how do you feel about that level of access that we have now as fans? And do you um is do you find that you enjoy that level of access? the same in both of these mediums or that or different when it comes to comics i feel like there's still a little bit of a curtain up like they get people to sign these no disclosure there's non-disclosure contracts and, yeah and they can't talk about things but then sometimes they do come out on twitter and they're like damn it marvel told me i couldn't write this book and there's this outrage but um i think when it when it comes to comics i don't know that it's been so i don't know that there's a business to expose you know in the That's way true. that wrestling has so many backstage ongoing things that you never really hear about oh well you wouldn't have heard about without the internet right and that oh and then they try to be denied but you know like all the obvious evidence is there and i i don't in a, in a way that part that that exposure i don't know that it has hurt wrestling at all because uh what what well wrestling is doing pretty well in regards to like vince the wwe making so much money right now and huge tv contracts is it as popular as it once was no but at the same time uh it's making more money than it's ever been so i wouldn't exactly say it's on a downturn i don't think that the internet has harmed wrestling i think that the people that watch wrestling the diehard fans kind of need this extra layer yeah, it's a different. It's a different thing to. It's a different reason to watch. And when you're looking at reasons to watch, and your your business, there really isn't a wrong reason. Not really. Not at all. No. You know? No. So like. I was, yeah. Exactly. So it doesn't matter what they're. They could be watching to watch you fail. It doesn't matter. Like they're watching. That's all you care about. Yeah. And so um yeah, they um I also think that both of these uh mediums are are reaching a crossroads of evolution again you know i think that the way the way of distribution is changing more people are reading uh digital comics more than ever uh in um as far as comics are concerned in general and then you know comic book shops are closing left and right while Uh, we're talking about while we're talking about the business side of things with comics i had to admit uh when i look at the numbers in regards to sales it scares me yeah, you know, um, millions upon millions of people are going out to watch these movies, but those numbers aren't translating back to comic books. Nope. Um, the top books of every month are only selling about a hundred thousand copies, and when I think about that, I think about what what someone in charge of this company, what a Disney, what a Warner Brothers executive would think when they see these numbers, like. Uh, uh, could could we possibly, in our lifetime, see the end of comic books? Right. But it's it's actually it's kind of scary because it's entirely possible. Like if you're an executive and you're putting out money to publish books, and you're not getting the return, do you continue based on tradition, or do you shut it down? You know, um, right. it's uh well recently DC Comics, um announced that they're going to be cutting the amount of books that they publish uh well there's a rumor that they were going to cut the amount of books that they publish in half they were putting out like 52 books a uh 52 books a month and uh marvel is putting out the same if not more 
And it's just there's uh there's probably too many books on the shelf right now that not enough people are buying. So right. and 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 it, and it, and it kind of it's like <clears throat> what what they ended up announcing was that they're going to be cutting down on the collected editions. They're um instead of putting out a trade paperback for every five issues, they are going to put them out every twelve issues. And and some stories might not even be collected, which is again kind of scary because if if they're making these moves. Then it's like, um, what else could what else could we lose? Actually, there was another rumor that started recently where where people thought uh, Marvel Comics was in danger of being shut down by Disney because there is they were going to do a presentation at uh, at the convention this weekend. The name is slipping. I, I want to. Oh, the name uh, is slipping. The Chicago I, one. Chicago East. Yes, it's like C two E two Expo. C- yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, C2, E2. Yeah. yeah. Um. Where it's like, basically, like the 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 entire presentation is why comics are still important, and 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 the I don't call them the dirt cheese, right? What do you call them in regards to comic books, right? Like <laughs> the 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 rumor sites, yes, just took that as this is Marvel presenting to Disney why they shouldn't shut down Marvel Comics, you know? So it's like. It's scary. It's really scary. The numbers aren't there. I, I don't know what they could do either. They I would say they're doing all they can. Like these movies, superhero movies are are the top grossing films today. Like what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing is 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 something completely unheard of that's never been done before and it's entirely successful. Do do you think that Disney would shut down Marvel Comics? I, I I mean it's 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 so weird, right? It's this like it would be the snake eating its own tail. But on paper, if you're doing business, I can see why they would make those those uh, assumptions. Um, uh, with with the shoe on the other foot, WWE's doing terrible with with live audiences, like with with uh, ticket sales, live attendance. Their ratings, their ratings are shit too. Live attendance and ratings. So it, that's the thing. It's like. But this is our bread and butter. Comics is the bread and butter. Why we get the MCU? The, our live events is why we can get to a mania. So when we talk about selling a mania, you know, making more money in this mania or making more money this year than ever, it's hard. It's it's so crazy that, like you said, that the MCU could be skyrocketing and and issues be in the toilet. That WWE can make the most money they've ever made, but no one's coming to the shows. So they, I feel like they both have to evolve. They both are going to get pushed to this point. Of having to to change with the times, and I don't know what that change is. And like you said, I am scared because I've only known these things to be these things in this in this iteration. And as it stands now, you know what happens when they decide. Well, you know what? Screw a weekly wrestling show, or four, sorry, screw our four weekly wrestling shows. <laughs> we're gonna do one again, or we're gonna do one every two weeks, or like who knows what this next evolution is gonna be for both of these mediums. But I do think that, um. Th- if if they're not careful, all of these mediums uh, run the risk of being overexposed. And well, WWE for sure. What do they have? Like eight hours of weekly television? Yeah, it's a lot. Jesus. And um, after a while, the casual is not going to watch all those. The same way that after a while, the casual is not going to watch every DC show or every Marvel Netflix show. You know, um, it, that's just how it goes. And it's crazy to even think like, what do you mean you're not going to watch everything? I Because I watch everything, but still, like, that exists. It, 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 that's just the way of the world. So, um, I, I think... 
Go ahead, brother. Actually, when when it comes to WWE, like they're making a lot of money right now, but at the same time, there is a couple of circumstances that have led to this money that might not be that way. Like, okay, so you get the Saudi Arabia deal, right? Uh, you got uh, they made a deal with the Saudi Arabian government where they will be bringing shows there twice a year for the next ten years, and it's like some wild number, like twenty. 20 million dollars a show or something i think there was a report that came out where the saudi arabia shows are now grossing more than wrestlemania wow um and then there was the fact that wwe had a really good agency sell their show to the to fox and fox uh bought bought the rights to smackdown for a very large sum like it's something like uh was like a couple billion or something like that for the next five years, yeah. but um, Fox is is uh, Fox is notorious for cutting a show due to low ratings, you know. Yeah. And I'm almost certain that there's got to be some type of out clause. And if there's not, what happens at the end of these five years? What happens at the end of these five years if ratings are down? Like they they like compare. Okay, so just so just compared to last year, ratings are ratings are down uh, a significant amount. Right. If this if 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 this continues, like right now we've only got about two bil- two million people watching Raw every week and SmackDown. Right. We were at a point at one point where it was like eight million people tuning in weekly. In the past, now we're down to like two million, and it's slowly dropping. If at the end of these five years, we're looking at like a million, only a million people watching Raw. <laughs> no, that's uh, a significant, yeah, that's a significant drop. Or SmackDown, like what happens? Like it, it's like we were talking about with those Image comics, right? With those guys jumping over. Um, a lot of the things that get said when we, when they talk about the Jim Lees and the um, Rob Liefelds and and them moving over is the sheer number of volume of comics that they were able to sell while under Marvel. A number that that we're getting further and further away from every day. Like we're so far, like when you start thinking about that X-Men number one, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff, like we're now, we're nowhere close. We haven't been close in decades. Well, not decades, but like, you know, we haven't been close in, in quite some time. And it doesn't look like, uh, the plane is pulling itself up out of this nosedive either. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious though. Cause I, I do think that both of these are meant to stand the test of time. And I think that enough passionate people are behind the scenes. Um, Maybe not the higher higher ups, but there's enough, you know, um, elbow greasers out there that are gonna keep these things around for good reason because these these, these stories are timeless, um, and when done right, both of these mediums are incredibly rewarding to be a part of, to experience all that stuff. Would you agree? I'd agree. I would definitely agree. I would. I would. I would say that I have faith in both of these mediums to figure it out. You know they've been around yeah. for so long. They've dealt with with uh, maybe worse situations in the past. You know Marvel pulled itself out of bankruptcy. Yes, you know Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon pulled himself out of the worst business in history. Out of out of his out of him his company doing the worst business in history. You know, and 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 uh, he's as more successful than he's ever been today. But. Again, you know, as someone on the outside, it just as someone on the outside who, who, who like these two mediums are are very very large parts of my life. <laughs> it's very scary to imagine a world where I wouldn't have one or even both. Yeah, no, you ain't lying. Let's let's start um some rapid fire discussion. 
I want to start talking about some of the other things that make uh, comic books and wrestling similar, and I want to uh, get some of your opinions. One of the things I think that makes comic books and wrestling very similar are the crazy and dynamic outfits, the costumes, the attire. When it comes to professional wrestling, who's who do you think has some of the most iconic attire across across history, brands, all that? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I, I give you I some, I'll give you some if you, if you need some if you need some time. I, I got here a Macho Man Randy Savage. For sure, for I sure. Uh, man up there. Rey Mysterio is one that that not just the superhero outfits but like but like um he's some wild lucha gear i don't know if you even <laughs> it's a couple weeks ago he had this really ugly outfit but it's still wild but it looked like he was like wearing a thong oh and, yeah that was and yeah, the yeah. suit the suit was, uh, was like, like why is he wearing a less colored uh less colored <laughs> outfit? but again he's like he's got these wild you know the the, the like the tijuana crazy the uh, mohawk things on his mask. Yeah. I, thought, I like that. <laughs> the bucks, the young bucks. Actually, I know this oh, doesn't yeah. get mentioned about them, but they've got some wild ass attire. No, like, they do. They do. They've got the, with the uh, Dave Meltzer's faces on the, the Meltzer heads. The, 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 the money, the full money. They got the uh, the, the fucking um, the, the, this weird like rockers look, but it's not the rockers. Yeah, you know, and it's they also like have they, um the one with championship belts all over them. Yes, with just every title that they've ever held on them. Those are like crazy wild tag team attires. Yeah. Then um You got I would say Ultimate Warrior in there, right? Ultimate Warrior for sure, nice and flashy. Uh well, I don't I don't know, like he had lots of colors, but then he he rarely wore clothes. Okay, yeah, 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 I feel you. But I did like I did like those airbrushed um those airbrushed uh jackets. The jackets for from the WC the WCW Warrior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah cool. That's for sure. The Undertaker, uh, Undertaker, the Undertaker is another definitely. one. Definitely, definitely with the 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 goth look from the nineties, the original funeral parlor, the biker, the dead biker in like oh four. Yeah. Then, then, then uh, yeah. So Undertaker is definitely one. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit more modern. How about your boy, the Velveteen Dream? Oh, Dream is a G. Dream, Dream. <laughs> he's he's funny because his attire is always something relevant. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. it's always something topical. And once you start like, to figure that out, once you start to, it, it makes every match more rewarding to watch because you you're on a journey. The story gets told from the entrances up. Almost got himself in trouble actually once, right? Oh, with, with the, the call me up Vince or whatever. Call me so, up Vince. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he could take it a little too far, but. That that's uh, that's what it takes sometimes, especially for somebody on his level. Maybe not his current gear, but I always really liked Kurt Angle's gear, like the very Kurt, the various yeah. different American mo- motifs and montages. I think my favorite though is the black with the gold eagle. Oh, when he got, when he got oh, upset I, and started getting the, and started the wrestling getting, machine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, like, my wow. of, that's my favorite version of Kurt Angle. Period. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is a this is a level I didn't know you can get to, bro. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Uh, gold dust. Gold dust. <laughs> gold dust for sure. Gold, gold dust. dust. Gold dust is uh, gold dust is someone that was very, very uh, dedicated to the business. This is the man that was willing to get breast implants. Yeah. Just so that his gimmick, so for his gimmick, because you know he was a androgynous. Well, one thing people to... forget is that this is, you know, he's the son of Dusty Rhodes, which people don't forget. But Dusty Rhodes is a Texas-born Christian man. Man, you understand? Know <laughs> yeah. Like not only, not only does this go against your religious beliefs, but then where he lives, 
they don't take too kindly to the kind of stuff that Goldust was doing. So he basically was willing to be blackballed from his entire family and what he knows to, to, to take that to the limits that he took it, which will allow for characters like the Velveteen Dream to eventually, you know, be able to take for it. Um, what do you think about Austin's attire? Because it, it's it's iconic in its own right, right? It's like the simplisticness Just... of, of Punisher's shirt with the, <laughs> the skull on it. It's like, <laughs> that's all you need. Like, that's all... I did like I did well. It matched the gimmick too. It was just the everyman. He wore black trunks, black boots, nothing special. Yeah, you know, I yeah. th- I thought it worked. It worked for what it was. That was the great. That was the genius about uh, about his attire. That it was uh, it, it fit his gimmick so well. There's two I have here, but I'm gonna save them because I think there's more uh, juiciness to talk about with theirs. But I'm gonna put mankind on that list for uh, sure. I think for, for I sure. think that both. Maybe even the second one, the one that's more relevant now, the the suit, I mean, the messed up dress shirt with the tie. There's like, that's such a twisted outfit, right? Like, he's he's wearing what he thinks he needs to wear to be corporate. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's already a mentally deranged character slash man. And that's as professional as he's gonna he's gonna get. You know, like, that's, that was, uh uh you know, Mick Foley's way of, of um, dressing up that character, so I, I like I like that that um, aspect of it. Let's turn it around. Comic books, man. What are some of your favorite comic book outfits, comic book <sighs> costumes? Okay, um, there was a period uh, where Iron Man had the black and gold armor. Uh, I just yeah, loved. Man. I love that suit, and I'm I'm sad we're probably never gonna see it in real life. Is that the space um, suit? No, he just had a black and gold armor. No, but the, no, uh, was that around? Like, what I'm saying was that around the time where he was a guardian of the galaxy? No, ugh. No? you know, I actually hated that <laughs> armor. He had yeah. a weird red armor with like a very expressive face on yeah. the helmet that I was like, oh, what is this? Um, no, it was this black and gold armor that he had when the incursions were happening right before the Marvel Universe ended. Okay, uh, that was one of my favorites. Um. Right off the back, I love Captain America's outfit. I love his classic outfit, and I love the one so that he always, had. That you they... always love the big old red uh, gloves and boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like yeah. it's like uh, the one. It's the modern interpretation of his classic outfit. The way that they draw it now, because it's not a different outfit. It's just that different people are drawing it. Yeah. But um, the the scales, the eagle scales. I loved the I loved it. The the winged ears. <laughs> I just liked it. Yeah. And then there was um. There was a cap outfit that took its inspiration from the films, but still had, but still had the, uh, it still had the, what, like the ears, the inspiration. The, it was still inspired by his classic outfit. It wasn't completely armored up, but he yeah. had like a helmet. It was for Jonathan Hickman's run. And he still on had Avengers. The, the scales, no? He still had the scales, but yeah, it was a helmet yeah. that he I had on. This. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was one of my favorite suits, and I'm sure that some are gonna come to me as we move on no, from I got, the subject. I got this. I got this. We got. <laughs> what about? What about? Um, I really liked the gray and black X Force attire that they gave up. Uh, oh they gave the man! X-Force after a while, like All that was them. legit cool. Like it kept everybody on the same team. Uh, everyone just looked cool. Even a guy like Wade Wilson, De- Deadpool, you know. And then you know, Deadpool got a pretty cool outfit as well. Like considering that he's played more often than not as a comic uh, comedy character, that that outfit's pretty cool. Like the design of of where the pouches go and all that kind of stuff. The little little bit of access cloth on his mask that goes on the top uh i, I think that's cool the, um we gotta talk about spider-man bro spider-man, Spider-Man. For sure. 
Oh, well, we're talking about Spider-Man. His superior Spider-Man outfit. That's a good outfit, man. That black, how that black uh, takes over so much. I really, really dig um, that superior Spider-Man outfit. And then, you know, if you've been across the multiverse, all of it, the mouse outfit. Oh, my God. Great. If we're going to talk about, like, Spider-Man's outfits That's across the multiverse, like, Captain Universe Spider-Man, oh, yeah. I That's... love that look. Legit, legit. Iron Spiders um looks good. I even like um how is it uh, Mayday Parker? May oh oh um his uh his daughter from the alternate universe. Yeah, yeah. Her outfit's pretty legit as Spider Woman. You got Ben the Ben Riley outfit where you could just rock a hoodie. You know he was rocking the hoodie thing before anybody. I else like was doing the that. the Future Foundation outfit that he had too after Johnny Storm died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it I was that that white suit, but it can turn into whatever suit you wanted it to. Cause redesigned it that way. Right. <laughs> Uh, what about your boy Daredevil? Did you ever dig the, did you ever dig the yellow and red? No, no, I was not, not, a a, not a fan. I was not a fan of Daredevil. But there was a period during Shadowland where uh, Hell's Kitchen got blown up. 108 people died. Uh, Bullseye did it, and he decided to give into his darkness, and he took over the hand, and he had this black outfit, and it oh, was a with the red. Sick Yes, this sick black and red outfit. Well, obviously he was a bad guy at the point at that point, but still, I nah, was I loved that outfit. No, nah, I, I really no, I dug that outfit too. I really really like um that um I like I did like Doctor Doom. I like Doctor Doom's outfit off the jump, like classic, just cool man, just freaking cool. Even with those big old gold discs that hold his uh his cape. Um, but I really really liked the um. Man, what was, I think it was called oh the infamous Iron Man armor. So it was Doctor Doom's version of the Iron Man armor. Oh, oh, yes, oh, yes, that, that was exactly. that was really cool looking, really legit so looking. Sleek. What's your favorite uh, Superman outfit? Rebirth. Rebirth. Um, yes. Yeah, because it was like for, they got rid of the stupid collar. Uh -huh. That I like. It's a new Fifty Two look. It's like one of my. I hate. I hate it. You know. Is, I hate is it? it. The, is it the I, collar? It's the collar, it's the armor look. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of armored hero looks. Like yeah. I know, like in some cases, it makes more sense than others. Like for somebody like Superman, why the hell does Superman need an armor? <laughs> like what? Oh, He's yeah, Superman. It make any sense? You know that doesn't make any sense. But that's not why. I just don't like the way they look. Something about it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I I came up in an era where everybody had regular costumes. But uh, I, I do like that. Red, I do like that red sun look, though. I think he, that one has a high color as well. But I think it just suits that the motif that they're trying to make with that character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that definitely matches Red Sun more than it does the the this new Fifty Two Superman, who was actually a bit of a douche anyway. But okay. yeah, Superman's rebirth outfit. That was one. That was I loved it. Batman's rebirth outfit too, with the, with the gold purple, around the insignia, the purple inside the, purple, the cape. Purple inside the cape. Oh, that my was the God. most How boss you... thing I think I've ever seen Batman wear. I'm like, he legit has a different color inside his cape. Okay. How could you get rid of that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it seemed oh, fancy as hell. Um, yeah, I I dig all the Flash stuff. Um, I I was recently watching the uh, CW Flash. And I don't like that he took that chin strap off, bro. It looks so stupid. There's just so much exposed chin and neck for no reason that it's just like, nah, you need to, there, there's reasons why these these things have uh, the, these parts to them. I'm actually impressed about what they were able to do with Falcon. With Falcon oh, stuff in the, in the film. Yeah. Um, and I do like what they, his design for when he was Captain America. 
You know, um, I think that th- those can be kind of hokey sometimes, but I really Falcons cap is definitely awesome. So was Bucky's actually. Yeah, while I was yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. The, the, with the the uh, well, obviously with his arm uh, and the he had kind of like uh, it was like uh, the black pants. Yep, all the way up. With the, yeah, yep, yep. I loved it. I did love that. Let's talk a little bit about um, the idea that both of these things deal with, like good versus evil, but more so good people and bad people teaming up to take out some stuff. So let's talk about some good teams as it uh, pertains to professional wrestling that you can think of. So. I'll go ahead and I'll start with one of my favorites, The Shield, because I'm a Roman Reigns fan. So, direct the hate mail to... <laughs> I, 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 uh, I love The Shield. The, when they first came out, they were, like, tearing everything apart. They yeah. were... Uh, it was it felt different from what the WWE was doing at the time. And it was one of the rare instances where you had a group comprised of three new people. Yeah. Like, it wasn't... It was, like, three... Jet, well, uh, you know, um, obviously, Rollins and Ambrose had more experience than Reigns at the time. So, yeah. that was... That was a huge help, you know. Um, but they, were un- con- they were untested here. They were untested in the WWE, so it was yeah. like that was one of the rare instances where WWE got it right all the way through. The complete like on and on the other side of the coin, you had the Nexus, where it was like such a cool concept, man. I wanted. I was such a. I was such a big fan of the idea of what the Nexus was. It was all these new guys, and they were tearing up the WWE. They're tired, they they're tired of being tired of for their, being their time stupid but it was uh it was a group full of green guys who just didn't get it yet and then they didn't have the full they they also really didn't have the full like they they got screwed a little bit in regards to the way the story was told especially after like they had a real good run from june to august yeah and then they got completely buried yep and then from then on and then it was a joke after that and it's like god i really wanted to be a fan of this but they dropped the ball it was the ball was dropped all the way through so the shield to me was like redemption yeah <laughs> you no, know? definitely like, yeah especially yes. with the nxt guys same thing NXT especially guys. Exactly. how you feel about your boys the elite do you think they fall on the good side of things nowadays i think that they're gonna go down as one of the most successful groups in in of, of all time yeah. because you you know mostly you know, you get factions in wrestling. They do the wrestling thing, and it's in wrestling. But the the it's it's in wrestling. Like they'll sell merch. Some factions sell more merch than others. Like the NWO sold the most merch ever. They were influential on the business and all aspects of it. Yeah. But then you had you know the elite, the Bullet Club, where they it felt like self made. You know, there wasn't like a a machine. Yeah, feeding these it, things out. You know, pumping these things out. It was like these guys had ideas. These ideas were successful. More ideas, more successful ideas. Then then they make a deal with a hot topic on their own. Like you've got no WWE machine behind you, but you're making WWE style moves. Yep. You know, and you're making WWE style money to the yep. point where you were actually able to like start your own promotion and it's not like a laughing stock like look at these guys <laughs> what are they doing it's like this is legit and it feels like legit because of how um how 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 successful they've been it's like this is the next logical step for you like that was the next logical step like that's the only thing you could do now and if this ends up being as successful as i think it is then there's hard to argue that yeah. that you know no definitely. like if <laughs> just on just on the the chances they took alone, um, I remember when I when I think of good teams, I think of the Mega Powers, bro. 
I think of that oh, long sure. handshake. <laughs> they, the don't story, wanna, they don't want a handshake, but they do want a handshake, but they're scared of what happens when they handshake. Told, for sure. Like, the, the story that was told with the Mega Powers is, like, people still, old time, like, even me, like, I wasn't around for that, but looking back on it, I got to watch it in retro, I got to watch it retroactively, like most things, like, because, like, being a big wrestling nerd, like, I started watching in 98, but my knowledge goes back before that, right? Like, yeah. most people. Uh, so, like, even me, looking back on it, having watched it not when it happened, which usually takes away some of the impact, you know, like, some things are better when you watched it as it happened than if you go back and you're like, man, what are people seeing this? Well, you weren't there when it happened, so you couldn't understand. Right. But a story like the Mega Powers is still, like, it keeps that, on giving. <laughs> so I'm giving. I gotta give it to WWE because at that time they weren't telling those type of stories. They were like, there were no compelling stories back then. They were just like really simple, good versus evil, good always wins things. But this was like, so you got people who still take, who still think Macho Man was right. Like, why was right, Hogan? Right, right. Why was he looking at this man's wife like that? You know, like, <laughs> is that's that the, not right. Is that the wrestling equivalent to the world's finest? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely, Hogan and Savage, yeah. Superman, Batman, yeah. absolutely. With with fans on each side and people, uh, you know, saying, "Well, this guy is way better." But let's start talking about some of those evil organizations, because you know we got the Legion of Doom or the Sinister Six and stuff. But what about the, the Four Horsemen? Horsemen? The Horsemen, yeah, absolutely. Baby. What about the Four Horsemen? Absolutely, they're so evil that people love them yeah. <laughs> because they were so successfully evil. Just yeah. absolutely. Killing, just killing, killing, killing the baby face. You know, like, yeah, like you said, like you said earlier, the NWO, which then brings talk of DX. Yes, you know? yes. Well, was DX were bad guys too, right? Yeah. But they were so they were so cool, which ended up pissing Bret Hart off. Yep, all the time. Then they had to make him heal to fight uh, the baby face, <laughs> the new baby faces in town. Yeah. Um, sure. Where would you say? Um, the Bullet Club fit in this in the good or evil um, sense bad of the word. Guys. Just like the Are they NW- still bad guys? I feel like there's no. a point in time well, where yes. um, the the elite had made them babyface. Yeah, well, it was like, it was like what? There were bad guys in Japan because they were doing all this crazy Western shit. The, and the, yeah, the, the American, the, yeah. <laughs> WWE style. They, well, in Japan, you know, just like over here where there was a period where ev- anyone from another country was like an evil foreigner. Yeah. Right, like it was in reverse in Japan. The Bullet Club were these evil foreigners who, in the beginning, they were like shooting. That's what the Bullet Club from. They were like supposedly shooting on other wrestlers and stuff, right. and just beating them up for real. Being and unprofessional, then they, yeah. Being unprofessional, which 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 really pisses off the very respectful Japanese crowd. And uh, as it got more and more, uh, as it got bigger and bigger, they got cooler and cooler like they just kept doing cooler and cooler things and of course it eventually spawned you know what would become the elite yep 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 and then that like i said all of these things just feed into each other these are legacy things that just happen and that take place and things change over these long mediums like sometimes the heroes become villains and uh when i think of heroes becoming villains i think of that hogan you know, joining the NWO, that Hogan and joining the NWO. And I initially wanted to compare it to um, uh, Hydra Cap, but I got a better comparison for Hydra Cap. I think Hogan joining the NWO is more of like an Injustice Superman kind of deal. Like if you didn't like this guy already, he just pushed it to where, you you know, like he just, he just, 
kept it going in that direction. Even though he's about true justice in the American way or whatever, he's going to look after his own personal interests in this in this matter. I think when you when you talk about Cap uh, Cap's defection into Hydra, the only comparison that you can make would have to be um, Sergeant Slaughter uh, joining the Iran. Is it was Iran? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Iran number one. <laughs> where, where he got his boots bought bought by Saddam Hussein or whatever. Saddam Hussein had bought him some new boots or whatever. So so that was so wildly successful that there were like threats of like terrorist attacks exactly. and like I mean, WWE had to move their WrestleMania. And... Didn't your boy get uh, death threats for Secret Empire? Yeah, well, <laughs> did, but comic fans are like shit. You know, you know like they're like. Stupid. Yeah, but people get death threats about the stupidest things. Like God, God, Tom King got death threats for the yeah. Batman wedding thing. You know, it's like people are stupid. One <laughs> like, of my favorite uh, heel turns is when my boy Hal Jordan goes crazy in Emerald Twilight and kills all the Green Lanterns and becomes Parallax and stuff, and just wows out, just complete control, un, you know, untethered and out of control. And you felt for him. He had been through so much. He lost his hometown. Yes. Yep. You know, like it was like the, the the that allowed the parallax to burrow into his mind. You know, this was retroactively done. You know, I think at the time, oh yeah, it was when his they, name. It, that was just his name. His name was parallax. Yeah, it was just his name, and he had just gone crazy. But then Jeff Johns, I mean Jeff Johns, kind of had a better idea. I think anyway, in my mind, it was a better idea. No, I I, I do like the emotional spectrum and what he was able to do with that there. But with that craziness. That random craziness of this of this of this hero that was once beloved, I think of my man right now, the planet's champion, Daniel Bryan, who's out there going crazy, legit. This all started from him saying he was he would just go and be oxygenate his brain in a in a in a uh, uh, deprivation tank, and just sit there and think and think and think. And now the man's gone crazy. He's trying to save the planet with a burlap sack for a championship belt, and it just goes to show you how sometimes. Some of the most entertaining uh, good guys, when they turn that switch, when they become evil, when you get the Hydra Caps and the Injustice Superman, it's it's almost as entertaining, sometimes even more. It's just, it's just, it's easier to, I don't want to say easier, but a lot of people who have been in those shoes where they're like, it's easier to to be more entertaining when you can flip that switch and you can, and you don't have to play within the borders of being a good guy. That makes actually a lot of sense. No, you're right. It actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I think I, you know, I, I think of the heist. What is it? The heist, uh, man. What's that? The Sup- greatest superior? heist in WrestleMania history. What is that what the they heist? Call it? Yeah, that's what they call it. Uh, when Seth sells out. Um. Oh, the the UCU. <laughs> you bought in. Yes, oh. Seth. Boy, yeah, Seth, <laughs> Seth buys in, and then he cashes in. Um, that was a rare situation though, because nobody. Okay, you did. I'm sure you wanted to see that main event. Oh, right. No. <laughs> I just listen, listen, listen. No, to tell you the absolute <laughs> truth, if I'm being honest and I'm on the record now, I wasn't as excited <laughs> as you would think I would be for that. And I actually did want Seth to to do something. <laughs> yeah, and he did every, do something. So that that works out. Everyone was really happy to see him show up because it, it, it <laughs> he was unexpected and it was like. Okay, now you've added something to this thing that we weren't really a fan of in the first place. But to that credit, 
like we're gonna to their credit, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar were doing something pretty entertaining. No, they at were. that, like they, they were, were actually other, basically <laughs> they were killing each other really entertainingly. But it was still like yes, and he was supposed to be a bad guy, but you wanted the you wanted the change so bad that you didn't care. But the same thing, like <laughs> no, the same thing, like Superman, like when you have Superman moping and stuff in um in certain of the newer modern uh, portrayals of him. You know, it, it it feeds into this idea that he's not somebody that you can relate to. Like Roman Reigns is not somebody you can relate to. Superman not a guy you can relate to. Get with the guy who is gonna get tired of things after a while, who is gonna put his foot down, who is gonna. And so it 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 does nothing to benefit some of these um more old fashioned characters. Well, yeah. That they're trying while to we're talking about this, this is actually a great uh, time to point out that in professional wrestling, I don't think that the Superman. Always win, always good guy, babyface is. Com- I don't think that works today. Hmm. I think that I think that the public has, first of all, too short of an attention span. You wouldn't be able to do the Hogan style four year long title reigns where where the guy can just con- he just continues beating every single challenger that comes because people are like they get tired real fast. And hmm. if you're going to do that, then. The, the crowd is going to turn, and you should turn, too. You know, you should... The, then, at that point, if you're going to have someone who just keeps winning and winning and winning, and people are not going to like it, then you should make that person someone that they don't like. Yeah. So that it justifies... They get to, so people pay to see them lose. Maybe this guy will do it. Maybe this guy will do it. I, I just... um I don't know that that, that, that I think, Superman babyface works today. I think the issue is that, back in the day... You could feed your Superman in both the comics and wrestling, right? You could feed Hogan a bunch of guys, sometimes jobbers, but sometimes, you know, well, well-rounded veterans. And in the comic books, you could feed Superman sometimes high-level villains, but most of the time, you know, ham and eggers. And so we live in a world now where there is no ham and egger. The guy who shows up in issue 10 could ultimately be, you know, somebody in issue 35 who then another writer gets him and then makes him somebody even larger and in wrestling it's the same thing you can't just have 10 guys just lose to roman reigns because those guys have their own value too those guys can ultimately do other things and and um, bring the company money so it's no um it doesn't hinge on one person anymore and it doesn't make sense to feed one person only exactly. one person all the time um you want this dynamic and you want these fringe characters you want your your um undisputed era and you want your doom patrol you know, you exactly. want you want these side um, things because everybody is watching for different reasons, but the whole point, or in reading for different reasons, but the whole point is that everyone is watching and reading, period. And so they need a, a, a huge variation. I do think that you can't keep it the same all the way, but I, but I disagree with the idea that some people believe that some people are just not good people. Like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't interest me to look underneath the fingernails of Roman Reigns, nor did it for me for John Cena or Hulk Hogan. I wouldn't mind if they showed some attitude sometimes, or if they showed some frustration sometimes. Actually, my, my biggest problem with Cena after a while was that he would get, he would break his neck on a pay-per-view and show up the next day and be like, well, I lost. There was no disappointment. Nothing. He was just so happy. And he'll, and he'll well, just go out there and win it again. And it's the same thing. Like if Superman stops worrying about crime, right? He's like, well, I'll get him next time. It's like, no, I, I want to see you in action. I want to see you have a purpose and a goal. There's so many aimless characters 
um, right now in both wrestling and comics that it you see w- when one has a, a focus and a goal how much more interesting they are compared to everybody else, no matter of what the character is. I I fell in love with that Mr. Miracle run. 12 issues. 12 issues. Not an ongoing story and not a character that everybody knows about. But when given time and attention, focus, and a destination, you, you get that. You know, and all of a sudden, everyone's a fan. Now, Kofi Kingston has time, dedication, a direction, and all, all of a sudden, everyone, you know, not all lightning of a in a, a bottle. That's what Kofi Kingston was yeah. lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And so <laughs> you have to, you have to be able to go with the flow because if the lightning, if lightning does come down and you bottle it, you can't just then throw out the bottle because you didn't think you were going to cast lightning that day. You have to exactly. roll with the punches. You have to roll, you have to uh, go with the flow and stuff. Um, I want to talk a little bit before we end it off here about the um, indies when it when it comes to both of them. Because I feel like they're even though there's uh, mega companies on both sides with shareholders and executives, Indian independent brands exist on uh, you know in between both wrestling and comics, and um, untested potential exists when you think of guys like uh, Stephen Amell, the the Green Arrow, who goes and does all in all of a sudden has the potential to become a professional wrestler. You think of front man for My Chemical Romance, Gerard Way, given a chance to write a comic, and all of a sudden he gives you the Umbrella Academy. Yes. You know, and the Doom Patrol book. And the Doom Patrol. Oh, yes, and the <laughs> Doom Patrol book. You're right, you're right. And so it's this idea that, you know, there is no limit on fandom. There is no limit on passion. There's no limit on how to get into the business. You ask 100 different wrestlers and 100 different comic artists um, how they got in, and you're going to get 200 different responses. Um, but they'll all tell you that they worked hard, that they were passionate, you know, that they that they took no for didn't take no for an answer and found their own way to tell stories. And that's why we love these mediums so much, because they share all that together. I feel like um, casual fans, of both don't ask too many questions because they don't want to get too involved um but they know enough about the big players to get excited and they get mad every so often when a change happens that they don't understand where i feel like the diehards know every um know so much about everyone that they have their favorites they get mad uh when they um don't get things they want right away and uh they ask too many questions sometimes us diehards because we want to know every aspect wait wait so that happened when and who got signed but when is their contract up? No, no, no. But when when is that last pay per view they're gonna be at? You understand? Like we 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 love it. So we want to know about it. We wanna we wanna get into the nitty grittiness of this never ending medium with video games and and uh, books and and all that stuff. Uh, I I love the fact that these things exist. That this this medium exists. Um, but I think I think one of the things like some some people. You know, some people completely like. I, I always hear about people that completely give up on WWE and they only watch indie stuff, and it's because it's because on the indies, in both comics and wrestling, you have the opportunity to do what you want. You know, it's uh, your creative. You you have this creative freedom that's not afforded to you in a place where there are business executives and every single number matters and and you actually can't do this because we might offend someone or you know so it it, there there is a good and a bad though because with creative freedom comes responsibility sometimes you might take it too far you know and uh that and uh so it's like i understand the appeal behind indie wrestling and indie indie comics it's 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 very they're very similar in that 
a lot of people prefer them because of the creative freedom that these creators and these performers have. Yeah, so there's, I, a purity, I, there's a purity to it there. But then there's also there's also sometimes where people are like, man, this guy got signed by you know Marvel, it's not going to be the same, or this guy got signed by WWE, it's not going to be the same because now yeah, you have to play within yeah, there. Exactly, you, you get the same thing, you to, bro. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how some of these things are. Uh, let's talk about some wrestlers who borrowed from from some comic books. Uh, we got Alexa Bliss, who you know uh, she definitely raised some eyebrows when, with her uh, Harley Quinn cosplay. I'm she, didn't def- stick, though, she, she definitely did. She had the Iron Man one too that she wore at a takeover. Yes, she had a Freddy Cougar, but that's not I, really a comic. But still, I was I just, I really liked. Uh, Actually, really like the iron the the Infinity Gauntlet bracelet that she yes, was wearing. I liked Seth's I that was really Infinity Gauntlet. Um, oh, the boot that was really cool. The Thanos outfit. Yeah, Seth the always Infinity. has some cool stuff though. Infinity he had the Deadpool outfit too. Um, like you said again, Rey Mysterio, known for using wrestling, uh, comic book wrestling attire. He was, to my knowledge, um, the Flash, Daredevil, Silver Surfer, um, Joker, uh. I feel like I'm missing some, but those I remember. Oh, Captain America when he fought Cody Rhodes. Um, he was definitely a lot. Black Panther he did once as well. Who? Um, oh, uh, Mysterio. He did the Flash. He did yeah. Joker. He did Black Panther. He did. Uh, he did uh, like Daredevil, a Wolverine. Captain America. Oh yeah, he did do Wolverine. his Wolf. Yeah, Wolverine was sick. Was that Wolverine? I really liked it. No, that was at All In. Oh okay. Yes, it, it was. It was at All In. Um. Kofi Kingston used to rock a lot of comic book uh, attire. I don't know if you noticed. Back in his, his Kofi days... Kofi Kingston is like a comic book character in himself. Yeah. He's like... He's all over the place. Jumping around. The crazy rumble eliminations. I know that's how they treated him, too. That's how he, they booked he, him. There was a like bunch of comic times... <laughs> there's a bunch of times where he would have, like, a, a Riddler color scheme or a Batman color scheme and, or um, uh, even Superman. And it, the lettering on his tights would be... To reflect that, to reflect the hero that he was um, trying to cosplay. More recently, Ricochet in that Miles Morales gear. Dog, Cedric, Cedric Alexander had the Miles Morales gear too, actually. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> and he also had some Black Panther gear as well. Yes, Cedric. he did. He definitely did. Let's see what he wears this year, actually. Oh, no, he's not on the card. No. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know a lot of people wrote in talking about this. Uh, Tiger Mask was originally a popular Japanese manga character. Yes, yes he was. Um, and so New Japan decides, screw it. Uh, we're going to capitalize on this and have Satoru Sayama uh, play the character as an actual wrestler. And they, it was successful. You know, like, uh, it, it's been passed on the mantle to different, there's been uh, different Tiger Masks. Um, Still around even today. I think we're at Tiger Mask 5 now? Uh, 4 to my knowledge, but you could be four? right with 5. Yeah. It could be 5. Um, uh, Gregory Helms wrestles as the Hurricane superhero gimmick with elements of the Green Lantern, and that's actually where that started. They pointed at his Green Lantern tattoo and said, "Why don't you just do something like that?" You know, like I think it was a uh, promo. They're like, "Come on, just be one of the hero- be like those heroes that you care so much about in comic books and stuff." So I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, Cody credits his undashing gimmick as an homage to uh, vintage Marvel villain Doctor Doom. Uh, yeah, that's actually that. Oh man, you know, I actually never got that correlation until you mentioned it right now. Yep, <laughs> yep. The scarred face, and all of a sudden, the world is you know not worth it, and I'm going to save you all from yourselves. Uh, so that works there. But let's talk about probably the biggest. I think the biggest taking from uh, comic books in in professional wrestling has to go uh, from the man called Sting. 
Uh, Sting goes and changes his colorful flamboyant um, look into a dark and brooding look after being falsely accused of betrayal in the NWO storyline. As a result, uh, he adapts that whole black and white and starts brooding in the in the rafters, mimicking the comic The Crow, written by James O'Barr. Uh, after and when and you know uh, it's it's Scott Hall that suggested it to him, but I think it was more about the movie. But the movie is based on the comic, yeah. so he took it from the comic. And, it counts. <laughs> and so and you think that would be it. And in a, in, a, in a better world, that would have been it for things that Sting took. But later in his career, during his time with TNA, Sting would go on to make changes to his character that resembled the iconic comic villain, the Joker, as played by Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Have you ever yeah. seen this Joker's thing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There was some There was some of that stuff that was great. And then yes. others were like a little hokey. A lot of it. Remember when he just drew on his face for like a half an hour? There was uh, there was a there was a time where uh, pills, he he brought vitamins to the ring and shoved them in Hulk Hogan's mouth. <laughs> there was a time where he was supposed to keep Eric Bischoff from interfering in a match, but then he had to leave and he put a bird. Yes, on, I probably, on a thing probably and, a crow. And Bischoff <laughs> sold the bird, and he's like, ah, yep, he had a bird. You know, he had like, like, he had like uh, on top of a, like a locker or something. He was like, yep, this thing is going to make sure that you don't. make sure that you don't go nowhere. That bird was, was a pretty well trained bird, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think Sting took took the most, but a lot of these comic book, I mean, a lot of these wrestlers are finding themselves inside comic book uh, stuff. So let's talk about some cameos and crossovers. Probably the most high profile at the moment is my man Dave Batista as Drax and Guardians of the Galaxy, who in this year will probably be the only man to have a Marvel movie come out and be at WrestleMania. Yeah, for sure. I so think I think the only man ever uh, that I could think of who's uh, who's been at WrestleMania the same year he was in a Marvel movie. So you got that. Um, you got uh, Triple H as Blade as Blade. Well, never Triple H in Blade Trinity. <laughs> don't, don't. Yes, the don't. the Pomeranian, the vampire you Pomeranian. Set, set the world on fire, Triple H. You know, he started it all, bro. He started the whole thing. Uh, Sheamus as Rocksteady, comic book character, bro. I forgot comments. that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that happened. Kevin Nash and the Punisher. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Play yep. water to your face. Yep. The rumored uh, and f- forever waiting for the Rock as Black Adam. That's actually that's actually confirmed. He's uh he's got a com- he's got an executive producer credit on Shazam. Oh snap. Yeah, um, I, I, I think I should. We should just take a second to talk about how the the Black Adam was actually supposed to be in Shazam, but yes. it doesn't make sense. Yep. Does it make sense to have uh, two origin stories in the same film? So the black, the Rock is going to have his own film. Um, is he the first wrestler to have his own superhero film? I, I no, yeah, I think so. Think so? Yeah, yeah. that's that's gonna be that's gonna be big. That is definitely gonna be big. I actually thought it probably would have been Cena before him, but you know, Cena for sure. I don't know. Cena seems to have found his footing in the like television. He looks like he could be like a freak a TV host. Yeah, he'd be, than, he's a hard worker, so he probably wants to work more than less. <laughs> and I feel like movies, you work less. Like, you probably work for, like, three-month period of time, and the rest of the time is promoting. And then he wouldn't even busy. be able to, like, wrestle because these producers don't exactly want people in the ring so that they freaking hurt themselves and yeah. have to push the production back on movies and stuff like that. I remember when The Rock ripped his abs in WrestleMania, at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, please never do that again. Ever. Uh, and he hasn't. Jesse Ventura cameos as a guard in uh, Batman and Robin. And Bane was played by WCW wrestler Robert Swenson. 
So uh, that happened there. Another WCW wrestler going by the name Big Sky, a.k.a. Tyler Maine, played Sabretooth in the X-Men uh, movie of 2000. Did he now? Yeah. I did not know that. Nah, here's the better one. You ready for this one? Who's the uh, Name both wrestlers that were in Spider-Man. Well, I know Randy Savage for sure, yes. but there was another wrestler Would in Spider-Man. Would you believe me if I told you that Christopher Daniels is in Spider-Man? What? Would I you believe not. me if I told you that Christopher Daniels is playing Spider-Man in that match Wait. against... Uh... <laughs> oh, shit. I, he was the stunt double. Yes, he was. Christopher Daniels oh, oh. was the stunt double for the uh, Peter Parker that goes against uh, Bonesaw. I never knew that. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good, uh, good one to dig up. Uh yeah, uh, Christopher Daniels went one on one with Bonesaw, so that that's good to know. Um, more recently, guys Cody Rhodes and Goldberg have uh found yep. some footing in the Arrowverse. Cody Rhodes playing Samson on Arrow, and Goldberg playing Big Sir in the Flash. Um, but I think the crowning achievement, the biggest one that we finally have gotten with his match in All In and SummerSlam, the Green Arrow. Is a professional wrestler. <laughs> I think that that this is probably my favorite celebrity crossover in my time watching wrestling. Anyway, because yeah. uh, he's, he's so a passionate passion. man. You know, he he takes yeah. the thing, he takes the medium seriously, and um, he loves wrestling. He just loves wrestling, and it's yeah. not like just like these. Sometimes you get these celebrities that don't know what's going on. Like even right now, you're doing the Saturday Night Live thing with these celebrities that you can tell they don't watch the product. Yeah. And you we're, know, we're far removed. We're far removed from the Jay Leno's and and the Dennis Rodman's of the world, you know. Yeah. And so, with with this, with Stephen Amell showing some propensity for it, and with him probably having the best friends in wrestling right now, yes, like, <laughs> like the <laughs> best people to have like, as friends in professional wrestling right now, um, we might be seeing a little bit more of this professional wrestling to uh, professional I think, wrestling to I think, uh, I think for sure crossover. I think for sure Stephen Amell shows up in AEW sooner, like sooner before later. Especially now that his uh, his schedule is going to be a little clearer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unfortunately for some, I'm a little sad about that. Actually, I'm I'm I I've learned not to be sad. I'm learned to, I learned to be grateful for 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 the bulk oh for of sure. Got. You know, I, like I, I I am a little I'm you know it is it is bittersweet, but I'm so glad that they were able to do it. Like, it, there's so many reasons why that shouldn't have worked the way it did, or as long as it did. I, like, I didn't think did. Arrow would work. Like, come to, uh, admittedly, like, as big as a fan of the Arrowverse as I am today, when they first started putting advertisements for Arrow in the books, and I was like, oh, this looks like a Smallville thing. And I'm like, I don't know. I'll check it out, but I don't know. By the end of that first season, I was hooked. Yeah. And then for it to spawn an entire multiverse of like DC, of DC TV shows I'm I'm, I'm forever and well, and well done too man like those well backdoor pilots Absolutely. for the legends flash all that stuff worked well very well I'm so interconnected really really grateful really definitely grateful i am a little sad though i but 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 grateful for sure but the thing is look at look towards the future with apps like the WWE app and the DC universe app we actually get to see new talent cultivated in NXT and uh, shows like Doom Patrol and Titans, Swamp Thing and, and Harley Quinn. The future is here. And with those apps there P- and things like NJ, uh, is it NJPW World? Yes. Um, you know, um, Honor Club, 
you know, uh, uh, um, uh, loot crate, all these different yes. avenues it's, for us to to dive our fandoms in. So many pies for us to stick our fingers in. Uh, it's definitely more than enough stuff for to to occupy us too yes. much almost sometimes. Yes, 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 <laughs> definitely. But um, you know, not not to bury the lead, you will be in town for WrestleMania this year. Absolutely, I cannot wait. I'm gonna be in. I'm gonna be in town for WrestleMania. I'm gonna catch a. I'm actually catching the uh, the big the biggest non WWE show in possibly ever. You know, the Madison Square Garden, who has never run a non WWE wrestling show, sold out for New Japan and Ring of Honor G1 yeah. Supercard. I'll be in town for that. I'll be in town for NXT Takeover. Um, arguably a better card than the seven-hour-long WrestleMania. Hey, yeah. I'm gonna have to sit through. I'll be, I'll, I'll be at, but I'll be, I'll be at the NXT and the G1. I, uh, Mania, I'm, I'm, I'm up there now. But I can see, you know, Mania is definitely. It's like Comic Con. Like it's the go, biggest. You have to go, even go. if. Even if it sucks, because like I was at WrestleMania 29 and yeah. WrestleMania 29, kind of. Not the greatest, but you have a great time just being there. There's the environment. Like there's nothing like nothing being, living in the fandom, like breathing with the fandom. There's nothing like, like it. Seven thousand people surrounding you, all passionate about the same thing that you're passionate about. It's a special feeling that you can't get anywhere else. What's even more special is the ability to herd these people, uh, or 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 you know keep keep the peace between these people. And I say all that to say that you are a, one of the heads of a very large and kind of sort of prestigious wrestling group on Facebook. Would you like to go ahead and plug that at the moment? <laughs> In case some of our comic fans are listening to this and they're like, I like I like the way the kind of this guy Yogi's jib. What what other wrestling conversations does he have? What other questions could I ask him? What other Japanese wrestlers do I need to start paying attention to? I think you can uh, point them in the right direction. For sure. Um so I run one of the one of the largest wrestling groups on Facebook. It's called We Love Pro Wrestling. We're currently sitting at seventy seven thousand members. We have da- daily discussions that are it's like very intelligent discussions. We try to as in as someone who runs the group, I try to keep all the the nonsense out. I know sometimes you'll look in a WWE social media comment section and be like, "Yuck." I want yeah. absolutely right. nothing to do with this. This is, looks like uncivilized. Well, we try to keep it intelligent and everything. So, it's uh, you want to go on Facebook? You just search up "We Love Pro Wrestling" the group, join, and uh, you'll you you'll. I promise you this: you'll find at least one conversation a day that you will be interested in taking part of. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and I'll link that in the show notes, so you can go ahead and look at the description for this episode, and you'll be able to find a link. Uh, to that there, um, I forgot. Oh, I forgot to mention a couple more things. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter was in GI Joe. I knew that definitely. Hell, he had an action figure, right? Yes. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler is a humongous Superman fan. A huge comic book fan too. He's huge just, com- he and loves he's, and he's, draw- draw- he's drawn for I believe Headlock, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Uh, um. Are they still? They're still putting out wrestling comic books. I know. Uh, I know that Pentagon Junior and Phoenix have a comic out right now. I know WWE's got comics being put out by Boom Studios. Yeah, and those are pretty good. Like considering that you think you would reach all that you all the exposure that you needed the show, reading and reading and and watching it in, in this kind of medium, a slower you know kind of thing where people are taking their time in each panel it's a different experience but it you know it's definitely like if you if you like wrestling and like comic books it's definitely something you should try 
Um, the I think the biggest thing that I forgot is that did you know? Um, that in 1984, similarities between Hulk Hogan's character and that of the Incredible Hulk led to a quick claim deal between Titan Sports, Marvel Comics, and Hulk Hogan, where wherein Marvel obtained the trademarks Hulk Hogan, Hulkster, and Hulkamania for 20 years, and Titan agreed to no longer refer to him as Incredible or simply Hulk, or even dress him in purple or green. Marvel yeah. then subsequ- uh, subsequently received. 0.9% of reportable gross merchandise revenue associated with Hogan. $100 for each of his matches and 10% of Titan's portion of his other earnings under this name. There was another wrestler actually who had to pay Marvel for the rights to their name. It was uh, Gangrel. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because he had yeah. a vampire, uh, vampire gimmick. He had a... It was... Um, a Gangrel well, is a group of vampires or... or... Something, yeah, <laughs> something like that. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm actually looking it up now to uh, to be absolutely certain as to what it is because I I only ever knew the base the uh, the base of it. You know, yeah. like uh, the base the 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 base information regarding Gangrel and Marvel. Yeah, I know he definitely he definitely got it from a, a comic book. Um, CM Punk used to say it's clobbering time. That's straight out of the thing. And Punk also uh, wrote some comics for Marvel. Um, well, a little bit. They kind of suck. Yeah, Ra- Raven lie. was a huge comic book fan. He used to wear yes. Sandman shirts, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, same thing with RVD, and RVD owns a store called Five Star Comics. So uh, that that's does he own a comic shop? Yeah, in Cali. I did not know that. In Cali, I've says Ghost Rider is his favorite character. I figured he owned like a weed shop or something. <laughs> uh, maybe, <laughs> get, maybe get one of one or the other. You know, you get a little bit of both. Best of both worlds, right? <laughs> um, in 2005 Hogan ended up purchasing rights to the Hulk Hogan name but in 1988's Marvel Comics Presents number 45 um, there was a wrestler who was tossed across, uh, through an arena roof by the Incredible Hulk because he picked the wrong name so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he who laughs last laughs, laughs the loudest I guess <laughs> And that's it there. But what an extensive look at comic books and professional wrestling. I'm so glad we did this episode. Like, it's like uh, my work friends and my regular friends hanging out. I'm so happy that everybody got along <laughs> between the comic books and wrestling uh, are concerned. Was there any other connections you wanted to uh, reach into before we uh, round this out? Actually, I feel like we've, uh, I feel like we've exhausted it. We, we can't. We, I just we, feel like this is one of those things or something. But you know what? That just leaves us for another Wrestling With Comics episode. You know? Absolutely. Just... If it's a vibe, if there's an opportunity, I am there. <laughs> and listen, you can find all these episodes of the very exclusive and prestigious Major Issues podcast wherever podcasts are found. That's Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, at the Apple Podcast app. On any iDevice, it's already pre-installed into your device, but the easiest way to find us is just to go to Google and search Major Issues Podcast, and we're the first ones to pop right up. Uh, Once you're there, try to subscribe, like, and share, and comment, but mostly give us a rating or a review. It's the quickest way for us to know how to improve uh, as as podcasters. We like what we're doing, but we want to give you guys the best show we possibly can, so uh, do us a favor and please, please, please uh, rate and review us. Um, don't forget to shop comic book click. We do our own exclusive apparel and all of that is also in the show notes, uh, right there alongside the link to, we love pro wrestling, which you guys should definitely join and visit. Um, and if you want to get directly to us, 
You can email us at comicbookclick at gmail.com. But besides that, go to facebook.com slash comicbookclick, Instagram at comicbookclick, or use the hashtag comicbookclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Or you can reach us at Major Issue CBC, where we are constantly putting up news, memes, and just kind of BSing halfway through <laughs> some on, on some of these days. But um, yeah, I guess uh, it goes without saying. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. It's Jonathan here, a.k.a. Yogi. And whether or not you were bitten by a radioactive spider, whether or not everyone thought you joined the NWO so you had to hang out in some rafters, whether... For life. <laughs> for life. Whether your parents were shot in an alley or your parents uh, were the McMahon family, so now you are the billion-dollar princess. Whether you were hit with gamut radiations or just an errant uh, kick. Sorry, Bret Hart. Um, remember that we are the click, and you, yes, you, are worthy. Are worthy.